Hello, and welcome to The Conversation. I'm Heil Russell. Oh, there's two of us. They're, they're- Hi, I'm <laughs> Gibbon. Yeah, I was waiting for you. Once again, and and my lovely co-host this episode is... Oh, hi. I'm Courtney, uh, also known as Alter Mentality or Alter, but you can just call me Courtney. That's fine. Yes, welcome to the show, Courtney. This is your first, uh, I guess, in-studio appearance on The Conversation. And- yeah, I called in a... A time or two before. Yeah, and we've been talking about getting you on for a couple of years now, and for <laughs> various reasons, my fault, it's never quite happened. Uh, even though I know, I know the rabbits are intimidating, I know they can be a little off-putting, mm. but it's worth it. I promise. It, no, I it have really been playing is. it. I've been playing <laughs> it. I had to take a break because of uh, Saber Wolf becoming DKU, but I have mm. been playing that, and I've been taking notes. And I'm like, I, I want to do it right, and I want it, it has to be a two-part episode now, and it's yeah. it, it's. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's intimidating, but we are going to do that one. But, no, I brought you in here, uh, as well as you, Gibbon, because oh. it is Women's History Month. And, mm. you know, uh, why not do an episode about <laughs> the women of the Donkey Kong universe? Because this is a fertile, robust topic, because look at all the characters we have to to discuss in this. And I... Wanted to yeah, do it right. Yeah, I, I wanted to do it right. And I'll explain why it's taken this long and why it's taken till season 10 to do it in just a bit. First, I wanted to get to some due diligence really quick. I just wanted to plug once again our Twitch channel. If you have not subscribed to us on Twitch, if you haven't checked out our Twitch channel at all, you should do so because we stream every week. We stream Sea of Thieves on Sunday. Uh, if you don't know anything about Sea of Thieves, if you haven't played it, but you're curious, uh, it's a good way to kind of get the gist of what's happening at the moment in the game. And uh, it's usually me, usually Cameron, usually Jeff, and usually a rotating fourth person. Uh, sometimes we mix that up. But yeah, you, every Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, Generally 4 p.m. Uh, over in the UK, depending on uh, how daylight savings time is looking, the British summertime. But uh, then we've got the Idaho crew streaming on Tuesdays. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Wednesday uh, over in the UK. But that is our friends Adam and Andrew and Dustin and sometimes Tate. Uh, they are, uh, forum moderators and friends of DK Vine, and they all live together in Idaho in some sort of wacky communal living situation. And they stream Donkey Kong Universe related games every Tuesday. And sometimes they surprise me, and sometimes they infuriate me with the way they use the <laughs> bloaters in Saber Wolf as they did last mm. Tuesday. That's not how you're supposed to use them. Whatever. It worked for them, I guess. <laughs> Eventually. It was too painful to look. And then, uh, Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. over in the UK, I stream DK Vine Done Slow. And that is me doing a playthrough of a DKU game and taking a very, very long time to complete it because I'm pointing mm. out all the little details and sometimes I'm struggling with things I haven't played in many years or barely at all. But, you know, it's it's the anti-speed run. It is, no, we're going to stop here and we're going to savor 
this beehive in Donkey Kong Country 2. And I'm going to explain to you why this is vitally important to the lore. So... Up and lick the honey, you know. Yeah. Stop yeah. and lick the honey off mm-hmm. the walls. We'll talk about the licking the honey a little in a little bit as well. But anyway, <laughs> DK <laughs> DK Vine on Twitch. Uh, check us out if you like the DKU. You like rare. You like Platonic. You'll find something to like. And if you can't watch us live, the vods are up for two weeks, and I put most of them up on YouTube after the fact. So. I uh, can can check it out there. Courtney, uh, mm-hmm. would you like to talk about some of your wares at the moment, being that you're on the conversation? Uh, what's going on in the world of alter mentality? Sure. Okay. So uh, I guess some people listening to this might have seen me around. Uh, I don't really post on the DK Vine forums that much anymore, but I used to years ago. And, uh, you know, I've been a rare fan artist for a really long time. So I've got my... Twitter, where I post art. Um, uh, mainly these days, I work on my webcomic, which I have a webcomic with my partner. It's called The Fourth, and it's been around for 10 years now, but it's gone through various uh, states of hiatus and stuff as we became older adults who have to deal with stressful jobs and, uh, you know, adult boring stuff. But right now we have a comic going that's like a side story, so you can jump right in. Um and it's going to be sort of shorter. Uh, it's it's in the middle of it right now, where you have about 40 pages. And it's uh, something that you can just jump right into and approach, even if you haven't read the rest of the comic. And it's, it's about pirates. Good. Thank you. Uh, but I think if, you know, people like the general tone of the DKU, that's sort of my main inspiration. So if you like cartoon animal pirates and also like magic and zombies and stuff, uh, it's there for you. It's called Air of Silver Skull. And it's... Uh, at thefourthcomic.com. You can just click on start of chapter and it'll just take you to the beginning of that story and you can just read it. I do think a lot of people who are fans of like Donkey Kong Country and Banjo-Kazooie would enjoy it. So I'm just going to plug that. And, and the uh, art is beautiful. Why, thank you. Yeah, this is pretty much a solo project uh, for me. I do the art and the writing. And my partner is just kind of helping me with like editing and stuff. So um, that's what I spend most of my time on. As you can imagine, it's a pretty big time sink. But I do stream also, um, like I, I can't remember if we were recording yet, but I did say earlier it's very irregularly scheduled right now, but I stream when I can. Um, I just kind of stream whatever I feel like at my Twitch account, which is also Alter Mentality. Um, so I stream a lot of Xbox Game Pass games these days, just like trying out a bunch of new stuff. And, uh, I wanted to get to some more rare games this year that I hadn't played. So I've got some like Cameo and It's Mr. Pants that, uh, you know, there's there's Perfect Dark. There's a lot of rare games that I haven't played, actually, especially stuff that's non-DKU. Um, so that's some mm. things I want to try to get to in the coming months. But you, uh, you also I think, stre- I think that's quite enough. You also stream <laughs> Grab by the Ghoulies every Halloween. Oh, every Halloween. And yeah, every December, I also do a one-sitting 101% playthrough of DK64 oh my during God. the Game Awards. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> It takes about 15 hours, usually. It's fun, though. <laughs> the holidays are stressful enough. Why would you do that to yourself? Oh, you know, it was so funny. Um, so the last time I was doing it, uh, you know how raids work on Twitch. Like, people can send all their viewers to someone else. Right. So I have a friend who's, like, a much bigger streamer than me. And uh, he raided me, like, at the very end of my stream. So I had I was in the final battle with K. Rule, and I got just, like, a thousand viewers. And... Um, it was like right before the tiny part of the battle. So I was like, all these people came in 
And I was like, hi, you're here to see K. Rule's wiggly toes in his stinky shoes. Like, <laughs> I, I'm so sorry you came in at like the most awkward, per- uh, the most awkward time in the world. Like, I can't. I can't explain this. It just is what it is. <laughs> the wiggly toes that don't even match his established feet in, in other yeah, he's games. he's got a prosthetic toe. They're, they have to be robotic prosthetic toes. And I know Gibbon, she's rolling her eyes at me right now. But look, I'm going to do an episode <laughs> about K. Rule's feet, about his toes. And we're going to get to the bottom. You me on that one. Okay. We're going to get to the bottom. <laughs> oh, I'm going to pencil that in the show notes right now. <laughs> so you're, you're just going to be stuck. All the people... All the people asking for the Donkey Kong Adventure episode, they're just pulling out their hair, uh, assuming they have any, because they know now it's going to be delayed even further because we have to get to K. Rule's wiggly toes. Oh, no, this is this is coming after the... <laughs> you're not getting out of it that easy. Uh, well, thank you both for being here. And why has it taken so long to do an episode exclusively about the women at the Donkey Kong universe? We've obviously talked about them individually over the years, but why, when Women's History Month rolls around, why haven't we done this topic? And, well, I'll be frank with you, or some feminine name that's not Frank. I... Scene. (laughs) Francine. I'll be Francine with you. I didn't want to... I was afraid of coming across like I was mansplaining the Donkey Kong universe. Like, all right, let me tell you why Dixie Kong is important. Coming as a cisgendered man, like, it, it, it just, like, I wanted to avoid that tone to it. Because, yes, I do fancy myself an expert for the Donkey Kong universe. But even then, that, that kind of expert, like, mm, let me, let me tell you what I know about this can come across kind of wrong, especially mm-hmm. about a specific topic. So I wanted to do it right. And DK Vine forum member Twilight Vestige actually suggested this episode a couple of weeks back. And I guess that was the impetus I needed seeing that there was demand for it. And I was like, all right. We'll do it, and we'll do it right. But I wanted to have, like, a panel of hosts rather than <laughs> it just being my voice dominating, as I often do. So, yeah, that's that's basically why it's taking to season 10. I just needed a little push and a little bit of confidence, and I needed the right co-host. So, welcome, the both of you. And uh, I guess... Uh- Quickly on that note, yeah. since I get someone asking about it uh, after every time I've been on the conversation recently, is uh, yes, Heil will be referring to me as she because I have been transitioning for over a year. Yes. <laughs> so that's why I'm on this episode. <laughs> well, I mean, yes. But yes, so here we are. And uh, I mean, I think the best way to do this is just to jump into it and start at the pinnacle. The character I think we all want to discuss, the the probably the universal fan favorite, Dixie Kong, um, because Dixie, uh, she's just so hugely important, not just mm. for the Donkey Kong series, not just for the Donkey Kong universe, not just for Rare, not just for Nintendo, but in my opinion, she's important for gaming. And I don't think she gets the credit she so rightly deserves, considering how easy it is to trip up 
especially the time period she was created, how easy it would be to screw her up and how relatively flawless she's been since she first debuted in 1995. This is true. She's just a really good character. And I know it's easy to sort of take a surface view, look at her and just go, hey, that's Diddy in pink with a ponytail. Yeah. Um, And I guess like, objectively speaking that's probably true like they probably just used the same base asset and and put some different clothes on it and stuff i mean it's not as egregious Um, as this is donkey kong in sunglasses or this is donkey kong in a cheesy 70s uh, jacket like i mean luigi just started Um, out as like green mario so you know like literally yeah um (laughs) yeah um but yeah, so so it's I I understand people who aren't as invested in these games as we are taking a look at Dixie Kong and and uh, just kind of tossing her in the the Miss Male character bin uh, with like Miss Pac Man and stuff. Right. But uh, I I think that's a massive disservice to the character because as you said, she she's her own thing. She has agency. She's objectively better <laughs> to play as. Um, there was a wonderful video from a a channel whose name suddenly escapes me uh, analyzing Donkey Kong Country 3 recently. Transparency, right? Yes, transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, and they uh, get into a lot of, of Dixie's agency and sort of the, the um, tropey uh, expectations placed on her by the men in her life. And now she just kind of says, well, screw that. And st- is the star of the show anyway. <laughs> um, and yeah. Yeah. Sh- like, I don't sh- know, I'm rambling. No, I mean <laughs> that for, for me, like Dixie and I've seen the, you know, the, the accusations that she is just pink Diddy Kong. Um, but I, I think, if you are a fan of this series, or if you're invested in just the slightest, if you have played the games or read the literature surrounding them, uh, pay attention to any of her depictions. You'll know she's not just Miss Pac-Man, but with fur. She, like, she, she's such an interesting character to me because, I mean, both Donkey, Diddy, and Dixie Kong, they're all very different characters. But mm-hmm. uh, Dixie, what what fascinates me is she is the purest adventurer of the three of them, whereas she lives for the thrill of the adventure rather than the recognition or reward that comes with it. Um, I mean, yes, she was seeking out to find the whereabouts of Donkey and Diddy in Donkey Kong Country 3, but she gets just joy out of it. Like, she accompanied Diddy in Donkey Kong Country 2, to help him out, but also it was just an excuse to go on an adventure, which she loves. Yeah. When the snowmat, oh, 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 I was just going to say that in in DKC two, uh, there's this through line of Diddy trying to prove himself. Like, mm-hmm. not only is he trying to rescue DK, but he wants to prove himself as a video game hero, and uh, you know, he's trying to collect all the hero tokens to prove to Cranky that he's actually a hero and whatever. But like. Dixie just doesn't seem concerned with that aspect at all. It's all about like Diddy proving it, but she doesn't care about that sort of like she doesn't want to have to like prove herself to all these people who don't think she's good enough or whatever she's just gonna Mm. let her actions speak for it and just she just wants to 
experience it for that, like like you said, for the sake of it. Yeah, she. Yeah, like she. I wouldn't say she doesn't care. It's just more that she already has that that confidence. Right. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, she uh, arguably has the same sort of hero quest in DKC3 that Diddy has. She's also collecting the giant gold DK coins in her game, but less of a big deal is made out of it because she doesn't really care if she becomes a video game hero by some sort of uh, decree by Cranky Kong or or whomever. She she doesn't care about any of that shit. <laughs> she's just <laughs> she's just doing it. And um mm-hmm. I also want to point out, and I pointed this out before, the thing I love about the opening to Tropical Freeze mm-hmm. is is how perfectly it nails the depictions of the four Kongs, the, the four original playable Kongs in the game. Because, you know, um, Donkey and Diddy look concerned when the Snowmads are coming in. Cranky has this air of knowledge, like he knows exactly who they are. And he like he's he knows what they're about. Dixie is the only one who looks happy <laughs> that that shit is going yeah. sideways. That she's like, oh, this is terrible, but we get to go on an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that just perfectly sums her up. And I love that the way they and this um, DK Vine staffer Cameron Regal always points this out about Dixie's relationship to Diddy is that it's almost incidental that they are Mm. girlfriend and boyfriend, right? It's not a defining characteristic of Dixie Kong. It was her introduction into the series. Oh, and who is this? Well, this is Diddy's girlfriend. Okay. But their relationship is never the focal point of Dixie Kong. It's, it's just like, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're together. And that's that's all it's you need like to know. It's like so relatively unknown that like a lot of people just don't know it. And like, uh, in fact, there are some people online, unfortunately, who think that just because all the Kong's name is Kong, that they're all like actually related. And so, mm-hmm. uh, if you put Diddy and Dixie in a relationship, that's weird. But it's yeah, like it's it's not even like really that much of a known thing outside of the like core DK fandom that they are dating. Right. I mean, if you, if you played one Donkey Kong country, you should know that they're not related. Like they're not all related (laughs) biologically. But yeah, I mean, it's, it it is just like this just casual thing that doesn't define either one of them. But that's especially important for Dixie in that she's never the damsel in distress. She's never, and actually she, um, I think Courtney, you said here in the notes, uh, that she's the only Kong to have int- been introduced as a playable character and not have been kidnapped herself. Oh, that's a really kitty good who's point. just never come back. Oh, well, so yeah, I, I ignoring don't think it's fair to count him. No, we'll just... we'll ignore <laughs> Kitty. Yeah, um, <laughs> sorry, Kitty. The only video game hero, the only the only bona fide video game hero by virtue of Cranky Kong's metrics that has never been kidnapped um cranky was kidnapped in donkum jr obviously donkey in dkc2 slash dkl2 uh diddy uh, dkc3 and arguably donkong 64 um so yeah i mean it's it, it, they've averted that trope of peach and daisy and the yeah. that pauline you know basically the entire mario cast of uh Women, it, um, Rosalina, I guess, ha- was Rosalina ever kidnapped? Uh, not really. I think so 
Okay. She was in distress, but she was not kidnapped. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can be in distress. That's fine. And you can be kidnapped too. I'm not saying like that's necessarily a damsel in distress. It's 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 just nice that that's really never been a focal point of Donkey Kong, the damsel in distress. There's been the dudes in distress plenty of times, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's it, it's what immediately like endeared me to. DKC2 as a kid was that kind of flipping that conventional wisdom Mm -hmm. on its head where the kidnapped person is the big burly buff dude and you have to rescue him. You, these two kids. Uh, Yeah. Very refreshing. You know, traditional in the Donkey Kong series dating all the way back to the arcades. True. (laughs) Yes, I know. I know. Which is why it's hilarious to listen to Cranky complain about Donkey Kong getting kidnapped and how that had never happened back in his day. Cough, cough. Right. And so many people think that's just a continuity error. And it's like, no, that was an intentional bit of dialogue. They're being funny. This is, these games can be funny. (laughs) It's called nuance. It's it's not only is it like a you know meta joke, but it's just in character for Cranky to yeah. either not just to just not bring that up and hope nobody nobody's going to notice. Mm-hmm. We'll just not talk about that. It's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. No one remembers that. <laughs> yeah. about the original DK arcade where where I was cool and throwing barrels. Yeah. But you know, speaking of Cranky, he actually mm. brings. I, I think what a lot of industry folk, definitely marketing executives, thought about Dixie into the game's dialogue, where he has the... I actually used this quote to promote this episode um, on uh, social media, where he says, let me pull it up. He says, uh, when you uh, enter the Monkey Museum, I think either as Dixie by yourself or with Dixie in the lead... Girl heroes in video games, pa! I can't believe it. The main character should be really muscle bound and carry a gun, not twirl their hair around. <laughs> uh, which, which is just a funny bit of dialogue just to see in a Nintendo game in general. But, uh, yeah, Cranky obviously being this, um, amalgamation of like boomer sensibilities. Has, has issue with Dixie Kong being, uh, in the game, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. what are you, what are you doing here? And that kind of meta text was like made the entire plot of Donkey Kong Land 3, which again, it's not something that a lot of people will know if they didn't read the instruction manual or, you know, never played Donkey Kong Land 3, which I think is most people these days. But, you know, Donkey Kong Land 3's entire plot is that it actually kind of throws Donkey and Diddy Kong under the bus as characters, albeit temporarily, because they completely exclude Dixie in their quest to find the Lost World and leading Dixie to, like, enter this competition by herself and, I guess, enlisting Kitty for lack of any other better options. It sounds like we're slagging on Kitty, and I don't want to... Don't want to do that. We love Kitty here at DK Vine. But uh, Kitty. <laughs> Kitty, obviously, I think Kitty was designed not to overshadow Dixie as a character because and kind of to end this need to have the sidekick character get their own game after the fact. Like, let's let's end this cycle now by having a character that nobody's really going to be asking to lead the next game, which is fine. And he's a wonderful fired because I'm still waiting for it. Rare. <laughs> You and um, what, the the Kitty Kong Twitter account. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 
which is totally not me. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I, that that was made the entire plot of Donkey Kong Land Three, which which was just like I need to prove Donkey and Diddy that they're being uh, misogynistic assholes, uh, which I love, and that's the only Donkey Kong game where uh, Donkey Kong doesn't appear. <laughs> He's just not in it. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dixie, I think, was, was important for me, um, as, uh, a young boy, uh, growing up to have this, like, bit of pop culture that I was obsessed with have such a strong woman character at the forefront and, and, having such a leading role by the time of DKC3 and to me feel no shame in playing that and enjoying that. It definitely, you know, because when you're a kid, uh, especially back in the nineties, you know, you're expected to stay in your gendered lanes um, that society defines for you. So it was like, I have to like boy stuff. um, Have to avoid the pink aisles in the toy store, you know, And that was frustrating for me. I think I've said, you know, like when I was collecting like Ninja Turtle action figures, really wanted the April O'Neil figure and they would always short pack it because the executives were thinking, well, boys probably won't want to play with this one. So we'll just put one in a box and make it super hard to find. I was like, no, I need, I need to have her. She's an important part of the cast. I always wanted the Mona Lisa figurine, but they never stocked enough of her at the store. Which one was she? Oh, she was in like two episodes of the animated series. She was Raph's girlfriend. Okay. I think I vaguely recall her, but I always confuse <laughs> her with Venus de Milo um, yeah, from The Next Mutation. That's understandable. Uh, who's coming back, by the way, in the comic books. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. reviving her. The comic which... books now have three uh, girl turtles and Mona in them. So nice. Enough for a full team. But yeah, it, it was important for me to feel, I think, confidence and like, no, I can like something with a, a female protagonist. It's s- stupid bullshit that says I can't. And uh, like, I don't want to say like, it, it sounds so rote. It sounds so stupid <laughs> to say that Dixie Kong made me a better person in the long run. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think she did. I, I think it was in, it was kind of important in my development to have that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get you. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, DKC three was the first DKC game that I owned. Uh, it mm-hmm. wasn't the first one I played, but it was the first one I owned. I got it the year it came out. So, it's we've been with each other for pretty much you know mm-hmm. most of my life and for its entire existence. Um, it's been like really an important game to me, and uh, it was it was just really cool to have a game where, like, the title character was the girl character, because before that, um, I think the only playable girl I had in any game that I owned was uh, Super Mario All-Stars, uh, Super Mario Bros. 2, the fact that you can mm. play as Peach, and then, right. you know, Peach oh. promptly went back to being, like, not playable in Mario platformers for, uh, like, decades. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was that was my first experience uh, having, like... Just, just a girl hero that I could look up to, and that was really important for me as a kid. And uh, I wanted to have a very long ponytail someday because I, I was like four or five, and I thought that 
if you had a really long ponytail, you could actually use it to fly around if you tried hard enough. Oh, man, that would have been great. I used to have hair that went down below my waist. I wish I could have flown around with that. Could you hang on hooks? That's what I want to know. I hadn't tried. <laughs> I you you could. It might hurt, though. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I would imagine that. I, although it could feel good if you like a scalp massage. If oh, you, yeah. yeah. If you hang mm. just right. Um, I, I definitely like could see, like, incidentally, that the games, because of Dixie, were resonating with a larger audience of girls when, when I was, cause when I was a kid, I remember in my, I think, I guess it was middle school at that point. Um, but I remember seeing like a couple times girls wearing like the, uh, shirt you got for reserving Donkey Kong Country 3 at like Toys R Us. Um, you got like a shirt with Dixie and Kitty in the hovercraft. And it, it was actually like something I, I saw in the wild a couple of times, uh, always worn by girls. And I was like, that's pretty oh, nice. cool. Yeah. Um, and I, and when you look at like the larger fandom of Donkey Kong, it is, you know, probably a better distribution, um, of of the genders than you would um see in other franchises and i think yeah dixie kong probably had a large role in that and uh, i mean i i don't know like i think i i mentioned like the honey licking what, uh, just replaying Donkey Kong country 2 the other day for my twitch stream i i was making note that you know it really sums up the difference between Diddy and Dixie when they're both on the honey walls. Diddy will look at you, the player, impatiently. Like, like, what are we doing? Why are we stopped here? Can we get moving? We are in a killer beehive. I want to leave. While Dixie just stops, licks the, uh, like, scoops the honey up with her finger, licks it, and savors the moment. And, and I think, like, that characterization has always held true, that Dixie will just enjoy whatever ridiculously dangerous situation she's in. She She's one of my favorite video game characters of all time. Like, Diddy is my favorite video game character of all time, but Dixie is right up there, probably number two. Um mm-hmm. I, I adore her. It was one of the greatest moments to see that she was back in Tropical Freeze, which I realize was like announced almost nine years ago now. But shut uh. your face. Uh, I'm I'm really hoping whatever form uh, the next Donkey Kong game does take, make sure to include Dixie. I don't want to have to wait for Dixie for the sequel. I think she uh. should be part of the cast in some form or fashion. Uh, and, and my expectations are low. It's probably going to be Donkey mm-hmm. and Diddy, you know, um, at least to start with. Uh, but I, I, I don't want to have to wait another five to eight years to get Dixie back in, in a playable role. Well, we talked about what works. Let's talk about, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about yeah. the initial woman in the Donkey Kong series. Not Pauline Gibbon. I'm talking about the Donkey Kong Country series. Um, uh, I'm talking Pauline. about. Yeah. Candy Kong. Yes. Now, it's funny because, you know, we, we just spent this time talking about how important Dixie was for representation and how she's kind mm-hmm. of overlooked. I think Candy is what a lot of people on the outside looking in think of when they think uh, about yeah. representation 
of women yeah. in the DKU. Um, so let's talk about candy and uh. let's talk about what works and and what doesn't. Probably mostly what doesn't, but <laughs> yeah, like I think to an extent, having candy. Candy is another one who was introduced as like this is Donkey Kong's girlfriend. That's not actually brought up much at all ever. <laughs> No. Uh, beyond the initial fact, but... Um, she actually spends more time it, flirting with Funky these days than she does. Mm-hmm. She spends DK64 flirting with the entire playable cast. And K-Roll. Um, <laughs> and K-Roll. Uh, yeah, it's 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 mainly her design that's the issue. She's just kind of a uh, uh, piss take at, like, pinup girl video game character design. And I think, um, like, a piss take is fine, but maybe not when that's the only woman in your game. I, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, like, a game tries to, like, parody something, but then they're also just, like, doing the thing. Yeah. So, like, even if yeah. it was intended as, like, a joke, it's kind of like, well, the joke is yeah. also just what it is, you know? Because, like, in her initial appearance, she's in, like, a pink leotard. She's the only <laughs> Kong who's standing fully upright and they show off her figure and she, i know, you know like there was like a pretty a, a pretty popular i think like toby fox tweeted about this or something maybe i'm making that up but like there was some tweet that went around not too long ago just like remarking on how like absurdly tall she is <laughs> like because if you consider that dk is like a gorilla and then candy is like twice as tall as he is well just, like dk is also hunched over i think Still, if you, but, like, like <laughs> had DK stand up awkwardly. Mom says it was to be Um But yeah, that's another thing. She just stands up bipedally like a human, and it's weird, and I don't like thinking about it. But she's always <laughs> kind of have had over-sexualized designs. In DK64, she's just like a blatant Britney Spears parody. <laughs> and um, I, think, I think her best design's actually been the... Uh, GBA DKC two and three design where she was kind of done up as Vanna White for Swanky <laughs> Show. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about the Payon redesign or the, uh, the Payon era redesign? Yeah, yeah, it's it's better. It's sort of a it it's using DK sixty four as a base, but it tones it down and gives her a bit more personality beyond just being a Britney Spears knockoff. She's not oh, yeah, gy- posted the tweet if you wanted to see it. She's not gyrating herself into a pretzel shapes uh at various yeah. points. So that's- and she's not flirting with everybody. So I, I, I think, you know, because I I've thought about this because it's it's funny because when Candy was removed from DKC two, I I was like, Oh, that's a shame because I as a kid I wasn't thinking like she doesn't really work as a character. I, I was I was thinking more like, oh, she was in the first game, and now she's not in this game. I hope yeah. she's not forgotten about. And so I, it was really exciting when she was coming back for Donkey Kong sixty four. Believe like believe it or not, mm-hmm. we were excited yeah, about Candy Kong. With, yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. it was like, oh my god, they haven't forgotten Candy Kong continuity. It's great that this mm-hmm. character is back. And it isn't until you're a little bit more wizened and and uh, savvy that you start recognizing hey this character doesn't have a lot going on does she um no. and, and and part of the problem too is that you know cranky and funky 
both took off as characters because there there was something to work with there. Like, yeah. yeah, yes, Cranky just gave you looping advice for World One and uh, <laughs> hurled insults at you. Funky was just your method of traveling backwards to p- past worlds, but we understood where they where where they stood. Um, we understood where they stood. Yeah. I said it. Uh, Cranky Kong is the original <laughs> Donkey Kong. He's bitter. He's jaded. He's every angry boomer in your life. Um, and he's funny and, and kind of endearing. Um, yeah. He's fun- Grandpa Simpson. Funky Kong is the, not just a laid back surfer, uh, surfer dude, but he's also a brilliant mechanic. He's running this airline. Uh, we can, we can grow that. He can become the, um, the, the, the tech wizard for the Kongs, mm. right? Yeah. So, yeah. so Funky takes off as a character. Candy runs the save point. The save point. Which, <laughs> by its very nature, is a thing that's going to be outdated in games. <laughs> less than five. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Not. Can- Candy got Not replaced. too many years after. <laughs> she but. ultimately got replaced by, uh, like, hitting a button and hearing, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you could even, like, tell, like, even a year later, like, they didn't just repeat the, that and, and just have Wrinkly run the save point. No, Wrinkly is a school teacher teaching Kong College. She's, she's trying to bring education to the uh, Kremlin youth of Crocodile Isle. So, so, like, you know, Wrinkly had character development out of the starting gate. Candy, it, it took, um, I think, to Donkey Kong 64 for us to have any inkling of what she did or what she was about other than being Donkey Kong's disturbly proportioned girlfriend. It, it's and, and even then, it's, it's what she's about. It's just being about. She's doing something different literally every single appearance. Yeah, she she's like she she's into music and dance, but there, there's no real through line there, you know. I guess yeah, they had her do that little dance mini game in the in GBA DKC one. Yeah, but then like she's doing the Vanna White for Swanky. She's working the the music booth in DK sixty four. She's running the the mini games in like the Payon stuff. Um, she's just around in some of the pay on games. She doesn't really have a purpose. She just shows up in cutscenes at the beginning and end of the game. Like, yeah, she's kind of exists. She does. Yeah. And, and even her relationship with Donkey Kong isn't interesting. <laughs> in <any way>. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like you, you get an interesting, uh, relationship with Diddy and Dixie, not because the the relationship is the core of their characters and is all anyone ever talks about. It's because they're around each other a lot. We get to see them interact and do stuff and play off of each other, like like those animations in the Beehive you were talking about. Yeah, uh, Candy gets none of that, N- nothing at all. Yeah, when, when the I best know, like DK doesn't talk a lot, like period. But has DK ever said like a line to Candy, like? In a game, oh God. I know in DK sixty four, he he goes oh. in to the shop and he just kind of like mouth open is, is gaping <laughs> at her. <laughs> this is 
I know they they converse a lot in the the cartoon show, but the yeah. cartoon has its own issues. Oh well, well, I'll, I'll touch upon that. Don't worry. I actually made a notation just for the cartoon fans in here. I was like, don't worry, we'll slag that candy too. Um, <laughs> I will say, I kind of like her design in the cartoon, but you know, her characterization is another story, but. I don't know. It's like yeah. a really, really different take on. C- Courtney, on you just, you just like life. blew my mind because yeah, Donkey Kong has never said one line of dialogue to Candy to my recollection. <laughs> maybe in like even you maybe like in the GBA games. Cause I don't they even have those think new that intros and outros may- with the Kongs talking and stuff. Maybe in like the the closing scenes, like when they're all like on the gangplank galleon together or something. Maybe there is, but I don't even think God. there was any direct dialogue back and forth between them. I and I think maybe that's why so many people ship her with Funky these days because at the very least they shared that smoldering glaze at the beginning of Jungle Climber <laughs> and you're like whoa there's something <laughs> there's something hot here and and mm-hmm. that one little scene had more emotion than any uh any screen time she shared with Don- Donkey Kong so yeah DK is just like I'm I'm here to save my game and get out of here just see no I've got to save I've got to get to what's important my bananas. Exactly. <laughs> Calling Dr. Freud. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, then. No, but I mean, I, I, this, this, I, I don't really hate any Donkey Kong characters. I don't hate Candy Kong. I, I think yeah. he, even his, uh, her creator, Steve Mails, admits, yeah, I kind of whiff that one. She, he, <laughs> like, he, he talked about it when, uh, like, they were talking about the character designs for Impossible Lair, and he talked about Queen Phoebe and how, like, doesn't want to repeat the mistakes of Candy Kong. And, um, mm. so, I mean, it, it's something that is, like, universally held true, even to the creators responsible for her. I think she can be salvaged as a character. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely. I, I don't have any suggestions for that, but I think she could I be salvaged. Uh, oh, go on. No, I was going to trail off anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, I've seen a lot of like fan redesigns of her. Maybe not like a lot, but I've seen quite a few. And it's interesting because a lot of people um, go the route if like she's going to be DK's girlfriend, she should maybe be like, you know, like how Diddy and Dixie can sort of like play off each other and like toss each other and stuff. So like maybe DK should also have someone that's like more physically strong so they could do the same thing. So I've seen more imaginings of her as sort of like a buff gorilla. Um, Mm. I don't know if like if Nintendo were to officially redesign her, if they would ever actually go that far. I mean, I think that would have been a cool route to go from the beginning, but I don't know if it would ever like actually happen. I've seen some people going the Tana route, like sort of riffing off a crash for, Mm -hmm. um, and, and making her a bit more punk, um, which is also cool. Um, yeah, I think if you leaned into character, even if she's still going to be an NPC. Yeah, if you leaned into her like music thing more and made her more of like a musician, there's a lot of fun things you could do with that. And she doesn't have to be like some sort of like you said, Britney Spears pop musician. She could be, you know, like more of a rock style Kong or something. Yeah, like- yeah. It it's it's wild to me that like her only identifiable thing other than gorilla sex appeal is. Uh, music, and yet she wasn't in the Donkey Konga games. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, Briegel. Like I, I'm just, I'm just saying. Like it's weird. Like the one, wow. the one Kong who was most closely identified with music, and she, she wasn't in the music series. All right, whatever. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I hear though, and that's more on just the Donkey Konga games making some interesting choices in general. I yeah. Guess. Oh, they made so many interesting choices, but we would be here <laughs> all night if we belabored those. I I did like Dixie's portrayal on Donkey Konga too, um, mm. where she was just like a better drummer than Donkey and Diddy, <laughs> and. The only thing I didn't like about Dixie's portrayal in that game is where she said her favorite song was the Super Mario Brothers theme and Donkey, her favorite song to play Mm -hmm. in the original Donkey Konga was the Super Mario Brothers theme. It's like, Dixie, like. I wonder what she says in the Japanese version. I don't, I don't know. I mean, the, uh, the NTSC version had the worst music. Either iteration of Donkey Konga that we got had the worst music out of all yeah, regions it's kind of a baffling set list but like i understand what they were going for but it's still baffling i understand what they're going for and yet i don't understand what they were going for like, i understand what they were going for. i don't understand why they were going for it. <laughs> <laughs> you were okay fair point fair point now let's let's talk about candy really quick in the cartoon because mm. i i it's such a wildly different character in the cartoon like they basically reinvented her from the ground up in the cartoon and i understand why they did it because mm. there was nothing to work with but they actually like went into a different problem area with the cartoon and this is one that's closer to home for me this is um becoming the nagging sitcom wife which is which is a totally different yeah. kind of trope. Um, just the like the killjoy character who is is there to be irritated at your male lead. Mm-hmm. Like good points. She was independent. She had a personality. She had a job. She did things. <laughs> yeah. uh, good points. The personality I just mentioned. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a hacky, hoary sitcom trope to like, like, and I'm sure like from, uh, like a male writing room perspective, it's like, no, no, we're showing that she's the responsible one. It's actually a positive portrayal, but to the audience, it's, she's getting in the way of the fun, of the hijinks, of, of, of the wackiness that you're tuning hijinks. in to see. Yeah. Hijinks with an S. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it, it it was something that was stupidly demonstrated with, uh, the show Breaking Bad, like why so many, uh, men hated the character of Skylar White. She's getting in the way of his awesome meth empire. It's like, oh, well, I hated Skylar can... White because I hate all the characters on that show. Okay. Uh, why people like it. All right. Well, anyway. I'll, I'll <laughs> invite you on for the oops all tangents on Better Call Saul's final season and we can hash it I out. I will hang up in the middle of the <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, as, as, as somebody who briefly inhabited that world, it's just like, I see like all of the, like I wrote a parody of sitcoms and I included that trope in there because it, it was mm. such a, a identifiable trope. And I had yeah. Candy Kong in mind from the cartoon a little bit when I was doing that. Uh, so it's, it's just, yeah, like I, yeah. there, there has to be something you can do with candy other than, um, sex appeal or killjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just on like, <laughs> Dev's actually bringing her back and doing something interesting with her. So, well, we'll just add her to the heap then. The heap of Donkey Kong yeah. characters who are waiting to see come back and uh, have something interesting done with. Lanky's going to show up again someday. I, I Lanky would, too. 
I was sure that Lanky would get his day in the sun. Like, it just, like, when Lanky was, like, a meme and he was everywhere, I was like, Lanky is one of the most popular Donkey Kong characters. Surely they will do something with him. And and maybe they will. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, who knows? Well, let's talk about Candy's replacement and all the ways <laughs> that she improved on Candy. Um, up to and including dying. And that is Wrinkly Kong. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> You're not wrong about the dying part. Wrinkly's actually a really interesting character because, yeah, one, again, she actually has a character. She's she's Cranky's counterpart, and they play off of each other even if they're not physically in the same room together because they're both grousing about each other. Yeah. Um, but the way they go about it sort of shows off their personality. So right there they have that dynamic that Donkey and Candy don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, Wrinkly's like you said, she's doing something. She's you know trying to educate the Kongs and the Kremlings, and and bring a little education to to the proceedings, um, and sort of saves your project, bleh, saves your progress. Incidentally, um, and um, she in the next game, she sort of um, they get into this in that uh, DKC three video as well. She's just kind of. She's got her own space. She has her own woman cave that's just sort of homely and nice. And she's playing Super Mario 64 <laughs> in her free time. Yeah. And and berating Cranky for wasting his money at this old timey Midway side show. <laughs> um, and uh, she she's actually kind of way more important to the plot of the game than Cranky is. Cranky's just sort of incidentally in DKC3. Yeah. Uh, while Wrinkly is an integral part of it. Um, she's the one who looks after all the banana birds you find. She's the one who saves your progress on her VHS tapes, which is adorable, by the way, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, kind of offers some advice and quips as you stop by, just without having to select it from a menu or charging for it or anything. She just talks to you while you're around. And it just has the air of... of Visiting your cool grandma who also plays video games and actually knows what she's talking about and doesn't, you know, berate you for being young the way way grandpa does sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then she dies. Well, I was going to um, say she also <laughs> she she also shows a little bit more of that humanitarian or, or apatarian streak. Where yeah, she, yeah. like, uh, she's the one who takes interest in the banana birds that you're finding. And she's mm-hmm. like, bring, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, bring them back here. Like, I, I will take care of them all until I get them back to their true mother. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and yeah, you're right. Like, she is absolutely vital to the end game. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it's, I, I never really thought about how much DKC3 is also Wrinkly's game as far as, mm. uh, NPCs go. Like, she is the star NPC of that game. Yeah. She's. Let's say that, yeah, like, um, DKC3 in general, it being Dixie's game, like, they also brought in, I think, just a more, like, a greater presence of women yeah. in general. You got the mm-hmm. Queen Banana Bird, who's like obviously you never meet her until the very end of the game, but she's the one who gets like the ultimate triumph over mm-hmm. K Rule by somehow laying an already cracked egg onto him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then you've got uh, your first canonically female um, animal buddy. Yeah, right. Ellie. Yeah, yeah. Ellie, yeah. Uh... And she's the she's the 
I don't know if I'd say the star animal buddy, but she was the one that was on like the marketing. And no, stuff. she. Yeah, where, I think she's the star Rambi of DKC three because she yeah. kind of replaced Rambi for that game, and she's got so many different like things she can do with the water and like the sucking mm. the barrels and. Yeah, she's my favorite animal buddy. She's, she's so, so cute. Yeah, that's. I love her. Um, yeah, DKC three just kind of has this this uh, Dixie and Wrinkly and uh, Ellie trifecta going on of importance. Um, along with Bungie Wrinkly's like the one you're required to visit a couple times, uh, you never have to go talk to Swanky or Cranky at all. Yeah, you and could even go if... through the game without realizing Cranky was even in it. Like if you just yeah. go to Swanky's and you're like, oh, I don't care about playing this mini game. See ya, and then you just leave. Like <laughs> you would never even see Cranky at all. Yeah, he'd show up in in one of the endings. Oh yeah, he's in like the final cutscene, and you'd be like, "Wait, he was in? The, what is he doing here? Why is Cranky?" Yeah, here? yeah, basically. But I think that works though. I think like sidelining Cranky works well for DKC three because you don't need that bitter like. Oh, I agree. Y- yeah, yeah. Especially because he was he was the one who was like so like down on Dixie in the previous game. And so yeah. now she's mm-hmm. like showing him up. So he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm just going to go be over here throwing these balls. Uh, all right. Uh, he's like, okay. Grandpa, maybe a little bit of, got a little bit of egg on his face. He's kind of mm. slinking away. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go hang out with yeah. my, my barrel chested. Yeah. Possible relation. Uh, and we're going to chuck balls <laughs> at the wall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then like wrinkly, Wrinkly doesn't let death get in the way of anything. Like she just keeps doing her thing as a ghost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, okay. So I love, first of all, I love, you know, aside from the stock age jokes, which are also always in play for cranky, like falling asleep <laughs> in your chair, which I fall asleep in my chair and I'm not that old. I mean, it just, life is hard. Sometimes you want to take a nap, uh, yep. get, get over it. Uh, but you know, it's kind of cool in my opinion that in these games that were essentially marketed to kids, mm-hmm. there is this older woman who played such an important vital part of the game. Uh, she, she, she was a reoccurring member of the cast of increased importance and prominence throughout the super Nintendo and game boy trilogies. And, and like, how often do you see an older woman? And, yeah. And unlike Cranky, who's just a total boomer and is stuck in the past and and doesn't know what you're talking about, she's with it. She's playing Super Mario 64 when you stop by. Yeah, the game before like, I had it. Heck, I yeah, been in 64 for years. Like she's she's up on the times. Yeah, until trying to win tug of war, Mario Party killed her. Mm. <laughs> she just well, bled even, out through her palm. <laughs> even then, like that actually that actually makes her a active participant in things so like maybe not in dk64 where she's just a, a glorified hint station yeah but in in the payon games she's she's going around peg swinging with the crew because she's she's freed of her earthly shackles and is now free to <laughs> I mean, you're right i'm laughing i'm just laughing at the like hilarious imagery that you're describing but you're right yeah uh and, and, and like she, she's an active participant. She helps out. She schools you on how to do things. There's some adorable little uh, scenes of the Kongs all together, of her and and Wrinkly together, like holding parasols up. And it's like she's dead. Why? Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> right, and just a ghost hanging out with her husband. She's it's a fine. she's a racer in Barrel Blast slash jet, yeah. jet race. Like it's 
it, it is great. I love that after the buyout that Nintendo and particularly pay on didn't like shy away from the established continuity. It's like, well, she's dead. Let's just roll with mm-hmm. it. Let's just keep her around yep. as a ghost, as a, as a spirit character. Some people just really don't like the fact that Wrinkly canonically died. But I mean, aside from it being sad, I I just always thought it was really cool because it shows the actual progress and change of characters who, in who the doesn't? series. And also, it's cool. Ghosts are cool. I love ghosts. I love having the, a ghost Kong who's just there, you know? The series is always good with showing progress. Have you ever noticed how... In in Donkey Kong Country One, Cranky is basically confined to his wheelchair. In Donkey Kong Country Two, he's standing up, standing in place with the help of two canes. In Donkey Kong Country Three, he's moving around and playing at Swankies. In DK sixty four, he's running that potion shop. In Donkey Kong Country Returns, he's selling you the potions he's now perfected. And then in Tropical Freeze, he's presumably with the help of said super potions running around and kicking ass and taking names mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, or it's just this yeah yeah you know we they could have they could have shown candy had him in a yoga studio and can uh, cranky you know getting more physically fit and able and and that was a missed opportunity to develop no, he candy turned to mad science all right and you don't like breaking bad it's all about making <laughs> potions in the lab well, maybe I'm after after Wrinkly died, <laughs> after Wrinkly died, that like put the fear in him, and he's like, "Oh, I better take care of myself." Mm, so he started working true. out or something. You know, I uh, like to work out. Yeah, I didn't say that's her, true. But... <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, who doesn't like that Wrinkly died, Courtney? I I I've never encountered anyone in my life. Oh, there's I've just there's like I don't know who it is, but I see like the Dixie for Smash account. Um, there's like this little feud that's going on between a couple people where someone like <laughs> refuses to acknowledge the canonicity of Ripley dying and wants it to be like retconned or something. Cause, cause I know in our that's next so weird, are these like the same people who want Donkey Kong Jr. to be his own thing? I also don't know how serious they are about it. This could just be some kind of like inside joke. I don't know. Oh, that's, but, okay. but I've definitely yeah, seen it. <laughs> well, I know with our and next, I, d- I know a friend of mine, um, a friend of mine who just basically doesn't like any anything having to do with DK64, which is fair. Um, but she loves the like DKC games, but doesn't like DK64 and doesn't like that DK64 killed Wrinkly. Um, presumably for what she believes is like just so rare, wouldn't have to like make a 3D model of Wrinkly and could just <laughs> use a PNG of her as a ghost, which is maybe perhaps true. But also, you know, I I, I do like what came of it actually. Yeah. Yeah, it I, it's great. I I love the continuity and like actual demonstrable passage of time in the Donkey Kong series, which I think we're going to get less and less of as we get further away from the buyout. But you know, it, it, it's great. Um, our next character is also emblematic of that. Uh, no, and and I see people all the time complaining about this change. Uh, and that's Tiny Kong. Um. Which, uh, you know, is uh, yeah. obviously her name is a misnomer now, which I guess is the joke. But, uh, what do we think about Tiny Kong? Because, you know, I, I spent the better part of 20 minutes or more lauding Dixie Kong, uh, saying <laughs> how much, uh, the character meant to me. I feel like there's this notion that you can't like, Dixie and like Tiny, like like there's some uh, sort of inherent 
uh, feud I between mean, the two characters. I think you can still like Tiny while also acknowledging that she's just Airsats Dixie. Like, her DK64 design is sort of call out to her, uh, to Dixie's DKC cartoon show design mm-hmm. with yeah. her little, like, daisy flower shirt and everything. And she has the same sort of signature moveset as her sister. And um, she doesn't even have, like, her own rig and model. She's a modified 2D from Banjo-Kazooie. So, like, she just comes off as sort of a, like, we can't, they won't let us call this character Dixie (laughs) character. Um, because Because if I recall correctly, there was some, like, you can't use Kongs from DKC two onwards for whatever reason. Well, was I, that like a Nintendo mandate, or did Rare just want to do that to sort of make it more approachable? Because DKC was the most successful one. It's been lost to time, I think, because I I heard it bandied about back in in the time period, like nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, but so much of that conventional wisdom has turned out to be a load of bullshit, right? So yeah, so it, it's hard to say. I could see it being like a Stamper Brothers edict, like that. That could be because you know I, I I have a lot of respect for Chris and Tim Stamper. Founders are rare, but they did sometimes have weird notions, and I could see one of them being like, "Well, Donkey Kong Country sold so well, we want to get people back on board with this N64 entry. We don't want to feel like the sequels uh, are like this barrier to enjoying this game. So, we're only characters from the original Donkey Kong Country can appear. This is the way the stampers sound, by the way. Only characters oh, okay. that uh, can appear that appeared in Donkey Kong Country can appear in this one, and new characters. So we can't except have except for Wrinkly, but she except has to die. For Wrinkly, but she has to die. Right, and I um, th- I think I remember something in Scribes where like they decided they wanted a, a ghost character, and they were just like, "Well, we can kill Wrinkly." Like like a few characters eat through like uh clobber yeah. and kaboom and and some other dkc2 yeah, baddies it's, it's weird it's just weird that like even given those edicts they basically put dixie and kitty in the game and just called them something else yeah yeah <laughs> like like at one point like the idea like when they were pitching ideas for kongs like tiny was a male organ grinder monkey and um, eventually became basically just Dixie. I don't know if it was like, oh, we're going to make Dixie's little sister and Chunky's older brother. Or if that came from like Lee Loveday in the instruction manual. Like, I'm going to make this work somehow with established canon. Like, so much about the creative process yeah. be- behind Donkey Kong 64 is only still like unfolding. Like, we just found out recently that Chris Seaver when he was put on the game away from Conquer so it could get out November 99 in time, like it was an all-hands-on-deck situation, Chris Seaver was responsible for Glower the Tadpole. He created that character. Yeah. And it's like... That's crazy. That's, that's great, Chris Seaver. Why didn't you just use Glimmer? <laughs> yeah. Like, well... So that's one of those things, along with, like, if if you could just call Tiny Dixie, I can like totally see why they would change the character design because like you're now moving around in 3d space. So having like the, the, uh, the pigtails instead of the single ponytail gives you a more, gives you that silhouette with the hair that, that is going to define that character. Cause you want mm-hmm. everyone to have a defined silhouette to easily distinguish them. 
um, and allows you to do sort of the 3D helicopter spin thing and other stuff like that. So, like, I totally wouldn't have had a problem with that just being Dixie's new design for the game. They redesigned a ton of other characters, too, so why not? And same for for uh, Chunky and Kitty. It's just like, oh, Kitty grew up a bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> Look, character progression. This happens all the time in this series, right? Um, and, like... Even if you kept everything else about him the same, it's just like, oh yeah, Kitty grew up. He's still gigantic. He's also a bit of a scaredy cat, ironically. Um, he just didn't know better as a baby, and now that he does, he's like, oh god, and that amuses me. And they didn't do that, but yeah. So, so I think all that being said, I think you can still like Tiny as a character while acknowledging all of that. Like she, she does kind of bring her own personality to the table. She's not just air sense Dixie. They do give her a bit of, of her own thing going on. And what um, is that thing? <laughs> Describe it to me. <laughs> Pretend like I don't know. I, I feel like she has a bit of a different attitude about things than yeah. Dixie does. I see. I, I agree uh, with you. I just don't know if I can actually describe it with words. It's more just a feeling. So, yeah, so I, Dixie, I'm the same. I would, I would say we were talking earlier about how Dixie's um, maybe not laid back, but she's just kind of got that self-confidence and doesn't feel the need to prove herself to other people. Um, Tiny seems to have a bit of a, a, a superiority complex. Well, not complex. <laughs> she, 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 she comes off as being a little full of herself. <laughs> She, she comes off a little smug in places. I have the same feeling, um, and I can't point to like an exact. It's, it's in her like in, it, she, she like, does those poses and stuff when she'll oh yeah, like, so like, open a door or whatever, and she'll be like hmm, and turn her turn her nose up or do oh, the, and like, like in, the, in the tag barrel, she's like pointing to herself. And she's like tiny, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and just and she's like nodding of, confidently. She'll do those little poses or the little quips or, or just little actions and body language throughout the game that kind of gives you the impression that, yeah, she's she's a bit smug about herself, um, which does help distinguish her from Dixie. Yeah, I, so. I, I suppose. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, post buyout, uh, yeah. the uh, the aging up into her teenage years, which yeah, is the... the- the Nintendo sexy character at it, uh, edict. Yeah. Now, now is was this a Nintendo edict? Um, or I, we- I mm, after learning that they were behind uh, Crystal's redesign, yeah, I totally believe this was a Nintendo edict. Be- because uh, yeah, a lot of people think because her first appearance in this uh, her teenage form and it, actually the last chronological aging up of any Kong on record so far. Um, it was in Diddy Kong Racing DS. So I'm, a lot I'm of pe- almost positive there's a there's a either a soundbite or a tweet or something somewhere where they were like, oh yeah, no, that wasn't our decision. Yeah, well, that, that's what I'm saying. Like when it happened, it was uh, just assumed. Oh, rare, rare is added again. They're 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 uh, adding uh, adding continuity. They're changing characters. This is this is. This is awesome that Rare is doing this. Like, there aren't aren't they uh, such uh, anarchists? I, I but... do not remember the reaction being "This is awesome." Oh, uh, quote oh, it was it was uh, in my mind because I w- I was like, um, oh my god, like uh, characters are still aging. Continuity. It's... No, that that part was cool. I just remember a lot of people complaining that like they bimbofied her. <laughs> Basically. Well, I just wanted um, to give my like my personal experience, which is that um, 
speaking of liking Dixie and Tiny at the same time, so like obviously, like I said earlier, I really loved Dixie growing up, but then when DK64 came out, like, I don't know, I was still young and it just didn't really occur to me that I should be upset that Dixie got replaced or something. I just like mm. Tiny too. Now, the yeah. reason that I like Tiny specifically is because uh, I am currently over 30 years old and four foot 10. And I have always been proportionately that small. Um, I have a like heart condition that stunted my growth. So I am just always been a small person. And so there was this Kong whose name was Tiny and she was like a cool, sassy girl. And that was her thing was that she was small and she could even get smaller. And that was like her power. And I found that like really cool and empowering as a kid. Um, and I actually, when I was in sixth grade, chose to play the saxophone because of Tiny. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, then they made Tiny Tall, and I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Yeah, that happens. Oh. So, so much for representation. But on the other hand, I realized that kind of makes Dixie even cooler to me, because it's like Dixie's the older sister, yeah. but she didn't get tall, so Dixie's actually the small one. Yeah. So she's just small like me, so hey. When I see a lot of people try to argue that somehow it was retcon that Tiny was the younger sister because Diddy is, is now smaller than Tiny. No, and I'm like, no. Sexual. No, no, no. Tiny got the this growth spurt. Dixie stayed the same height. I actually really love that aspect that Dixie is mm-hmm. the older sister, but Tiny has the candy conk proportions now. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder if... if- Candy, Dixie, and Tiny are all from the same family. <laughs> if that's just genetics that Tiny shot up like that. I just skipped over Dixie and the yeah. you know, genes. Um, yeah, but... Um, I mean, it happened in my family. My younger brother's like a head taller than me. It takes after dad. Tiny, tiny like, r- was kind of bouncing around the... Uh, late aughts you know she diddy kong racing ds uh, barrel blast she was a playable character in that i think she was in mm-hmm. she was in sluggers um uh yeah 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 um and then you know uh, the the kong cast reduction happened with returns mm-hmm. roughly where it just boop, shrunk uh down to donkey diddy and cranky and then eventually we got yeah. dixie and funky back um uh, but yeah, I mean, like, if Tiny reappeared, I see all of these people saying she needs to revert back to her Donkey Kong 64 appearance. And I feel like that's backtracking. Like, now, granted, the thing yeah. about, the thing about Tiny Kong is she can take a potion and shrink. So mm-hmm. I would be fine if, you know, she could shrink down back to her Donkey Kong 64 portions and then drink another potion and shrink even, you know, you, know, you could play yeah. with it. But I don't, mm-hmm. I don't ever want to backtrack. You can redesign her, but I don't want to go backwards in time and say this never happened. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like she went through puberty. I just feel like the cat's out of the bag. Like you can't put that. <laughs> yeah. You can't put that back yep. in. Like it would be really weird if she reverted all of a sudden. <laughs> like I didn't like it at first, but I've gotten used to it. You know, I, you know, and I, I wonder if Nintendo made that call to make her more different than Dixie. Like, like, mm-hmm. oh, now, like, there's something that sets her apart. And we don't have two virtually, in that. their minds, indistinguishable characters. Um, it gives Dixie greater purpose again. And that just means that Tiny probably won't ever be playable in a platformer ever again. But, if we're yeah. if it's like pulling teeth just to get Dixie in there, it's probably for the best to remove one element from the table 
if if it keeps us from if it keeps Dixie from having her rightful place as you know the third most important character in the series. Uh, I like Tiny. I I yeah. I, I don't yeah. I don't th- like I. Like I said, I like all the Donkey Kong characters, but Tiny, um, even like playing Donkey Kong 64, like, I, I like playing as Tiny. Like, I, I do admit when the game came out, I was like, why, why isn't Dixie in this? Why isn't Kitty in this? Like, that was the Donkey Kong 64 that had been built up in my head between 96 and the beginning of 99 when it was announced. I was like, it's, it's going to be playable Donkey, Diddy, Dixie, and Kitty all in the same game, right? And so it's partially on me for imagining a game with Dixie in it, but I mean that's not just you. I think a lot of people had that expectation. Yeah, um, but it, it is what it is, and it's been yeah. over twenty years. I got over it. Mm. I like Tiny, um, and I and I, I do like the continuity, even if it does kind Kyle of. Kyle Russell, he comes around on things. I do eventually. Eventually, give, give me time. Um, uh-huh. So. So we've only been talking about Kongs so we have. far. Yes. Um, and- so let's talk about some other characters in the Donkey Kong games. Um, they weren't Kongs. Uh, we we have some female Kremlings, actually, which kind of sounds... It sounds ridiculous when I say it like that, but <laughs> like there are actually only two canonically female Kremlings in the series. <laughs> Yes, the, depending on your view of K. Roll's wife as an actual character. Oh, that's true. Well, <laughs> she is an actual character. She shows up in some of the Japanese gag comics. Right, but like, okay, so just looking at the games themselves. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. K. Roll mentions a wife, and then, you know, that was extrapolated on. I um, don't think we should be dismissing the Japanese gag comics, especially <laughs> since they're one of the establishing factors for Junior growing up to be modern Donkey Kong. But oh, anyway, fair enough. She is an actual character. She's one of K. Rule's personas. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Calypso and Cass, who debuted in Barrel Blast, which could have been a good game, um, but has some wonderful <laughs> character design. Does have some wonderful character design. Yes, um, yeah, I I love the Kremlings in this. They they made a new Kremlin crew for this game, and like. They're amazing. If they were ever going to go back and do a DKC cartoon revival like they're doing with other shows these days, they're making a new season of the 80s X-Men cartoon. Whatever. Um, If they were going to go back and do a DKC cartoon revival, I'd want them to use the pay-on Kremlings to fill out the roster because they're just, they look like they're made for that sort of thing. And Calypso and Cass are two of them. Cass being uh, a little brat with brat hair and a little dress would you even call it a dress i'm not sure um and calypso being i don't know what to call this archetype (laughs) um yeah like she's a sassy black lady pam i was gonna say (laughs) pam greer in in the 70s like yeah like kind of yeah she's she's got the the tight shirt and the big afro and the hoop earrings and it it is kind of wild to me that we didn't get women kremlins until after rare uh and it was payon that that delivered them to us uh like well mm, there was still there was still that thing about um women enemies that uh nintendo had going on which is 
Oh, really? How you end up... <sighs> Nintendo kind of held on to some old-fashioned ideas for a long time. I know at least through, like, the Super Nintendo era... You you're 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 speaking of... in the past tense here, as if they They're... still don't have some old-fashioned opinions. Nintendo is really <laughs> weird. They're casually okay with some things, like... Nintendo has a surprising amount of canonically trans characters on their character rosters. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, in like Japan until they change it in localization. No, that's just Sometimes. Europe. Fuck Nintendo of Europe. But um, um, they also sort of like other companies had to change some stuff because Nintendo wasn't comfortable beating up women as enemies. Um, which is how you end up with situations like poison in the final fight games. Um, and so, yeah, I could see that being maybe not a hard line rule, but just more something that like you, you wouldn't want to risk it and just stay away from it to be safe, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it'd stop us from getting Gruntilda and Banjo Kazooie, but that's true, but that's, Gruntilda's a little different. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's inconsistent. I'm excited like about that. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get to her. Um but yeah, Calypso's Calypso's like a good solid foundation for a character. Um Yeah, especially if you factor in her European brawl trophy description, which yeah, can I, I read that. Yes, I, I I do view this at least as my headcanon because I I I love this aspect of the character. So yeah, so go like ahead. all of the European um like trophies for the barrel blast Kremlings just apparently just made shit up. Uh, like I don't know where they got it, this from. They just because like good the shit, yeah, it is so good. But like the North American version mainly just talks about their like characteristics, like their handling and their like racing strengths and weaknesses and stuff and. Like, the European versions just have this lore, and it's amazing. So, Calypso says, A cool beauty with chic makeup and groovy hair. A strong leader figure, she has the full trust of all the Kremlin crew. She boasts excellent reflexes and is very accomplished in sports and dancing. The clubhouse she owns is regarded as something of an oasis for Kremlings. <laughs> That's yeah. so awesome. <laughs> I'm just imagining this sort of Mama Cass-type Kremlin who doesn't take K rules shit and and runs this clubhouse that the other Kremlings can go to after work. The, this <laughs> uh yeah, like so I, I picture it as like this this post crocodile isle like nightclub in the Congo yeah. jungle that the Kremlins like the Kremlin refugees that live in the Congo jungle like all flock to that the Calypso opened as kind of this this haven, this this home away from home. Yeah. Like like Courtney was saying, all of the the um, barrel blast Kremlings get excellent descriptions, and they paint the the current Kremlin crew as like, yeah, K. Rule's still nominally in charge, but maybe we're not going to put up with as much of his shit as we did before. <laughs> um, um, I think that like it would be cool if um, I don't know, like Calypso could be set up to be like a, a positive role model for the Kremlings, like you know. If, if you know, prospectively in some future Donkey Kong game, uh, you know, if we ever get enough games in the series that something like this could be viable. But, <laughs> you know, like how in Paper Mario there's, you know, not just enemy Goombas and Koopas, but there's just towns full of friendly Goombas and Koopas or whatever. Oh, like, yeah, true. There could be, like, just a bunch of friendly Kremlings and Calypso is just sort of, like, their their unofficial leader, I guess. Mm. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I, I can see that. I would love to see any of, of the Barrel Blast Kremlins come back. Um, it, considering it was such a huge, huge victory for the fandom that we got K. Rule back, I'm not holding my breath. But it's... Well, we, they were in Smash as spirits. Um, yeah, I know, but like so many characters were in Smash of Spirits. I mean, long shot for sure. Yeah, but, uh, I have such I, good I designs, and they're Nintendo there just waiting. Was, you know, yeah, Nintendo was like, we need to fill out like three thousand spirits, jump the barrel on the floor, and start sorting through characters. But we still got a lot of characters back making mm-hmm. canonical disembodied appearances. <laughs> sure. I'm not discounting it. You know, Swanky Kong's most recent appearance was as a disembodied spirit in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. That's canon, and I will hold my <laughs> breath and pass out um before I say otherwise. But And he has. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've thrown many the tantrum. Uh, so yeah, it, it, I, I don't know Calypso in particular. Like I like Cass, especially especially as like this Kremlin yeah. counterpart to Dixie. Mm-hmm. But uh, Calypso, just like the imagination runs wild with what you could do as for that character because mm-hmm. and that archetype is so unlike anything we've seen um, in the Donkey Kong series at, mm-hmm. in with the Kremlins. Uh, it's just like I would love that nightclub to make or the clubhouse to make an appearance in a in an actual Donkey Kong game. I want to visit it. I want to see what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Game it's probably never going to happen. No, just just you got to believe though. Like I, like, the conversation DK Vine's conversation is not the place to say. Well, that's probably never going to happen. Okay, uh, fair enough. Um, now this is where we go to dream. So this is That's this is a magic place. It'll should, it'll be revealed. Uh, they should put her club into the DK part of the Universal theme park. Oh, like they have nightclubs at like Disney. It's- yeah, it's it's for adults <laughs> only. Yeah, Calypso's after you know, hours after club. Dark. Yeah. <laughs> Before we move on from the Donkey Kong series uh, completely, there there is another character I want to bring up. A character who has. Yes quite a bit of fans, I, I must say. To this day, she has a lot of fans. That's Pip- yep. Pipsy. A uh, yeah. Pipsy from off of Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, A.K.A. Astro Mouse. Uh, yeah. Outside of Timber, I would say Pipsy is the only Timber's island native, well, okay, maybe Drumstick, to have any real pathos in the plot of the game. She, I mean, she has this whole thing built in where she was specifically, she and her family were evicted from their mountain home when Whizpig took over. Um, and so she is not just fighting or racing to get the island back under control of Timber's family. She is actually fighting for her actual home. Um, and she is one of the universal favorites of the game. Like, so many people say Pipsy was their main. Uh, so many people love Pipsy and go on about her to this day. And I think that's remarkable considering Diddy Kong Racing and Diddy Kong Racing DS are her only appearances. And it's not like a Mario Kart situation where people come into this game. Oh, I like Waluigi because Waluigi was in these games. Uh, I, I know this character. It's like, no, Pipsy, Diddy Kong Racing is it. 
and yet they still find something relatable to that character. And she's just a little yellow mouse, but uh, she speaks to people. Cute. She just has like a genuinely very appealing design. Like her colors yeah. and just she's just so adorable. She looks great in like the way that like all the Diddy Kong racing characters just look like iconically cute in their like low poly forms. Like she just mm. looks so cute. But she also looks cute in her render too. She has that like fuzz about her where she looks like one of those like felt toys, you know? Yeah. Like, like you can just like feel the feel the softness. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Like, she looks like one of those um, cat toys that you give to <laughs> your cat, you know, that they bat around. Um, I bet if uh, Fangamer, if they do a next wave of Rare Racers pins, I bet if they did a Pipsy pin, she would outsell every character but Banjo Ooh. and Conker. Yeah, I could see it. Easily, yeah. Like I know a bunch of weirdos in the community would like Bumper, be- you know, because he was in jail for uh, indecent. Yeah, but rape. nobody knows that but us. Oh no, a lot of people know it. Like Mario Wiki tweets about it like once every three months. Really? That often? Well, okay. The person running that account is one of us. Okay, so. but yeah. but then Rare tweets about it. Whenever you get Mario Wiki tweeting about Bumper, Rare will tweet about it or, or reply mm. to it, and then there, there's dialogue there, so... Mm. Anyway, yeah, uh, I'm just saying, Pipsy uh, is... You, you can still do something with Pipsy. Like, there there is still pen up demand. If we were ever in a position to get Diddy Kong Racing spinoffs still... Like yeah, give give Pipsy that Astro Mouse game that she originated from. Um, you like I? Do we know what that was about at all? We we've just seen the Kev Bayless um rough sketch, like rough render mm. of of what the character looked like before being reconfigured into Pipsy in Diddy Kong Racing. So I mean, no, we don't. It's just one of those ideas that that Rare was kind of tenuously working on and that never actually became a full game but that is the origin point for pipsy so all right well let uh i i guess we're leaving the Donkey kong series behind and we're going into banjo going over to the ilo hags banjo hyphen and this is important kazooie uh i think i think that arrangement of the title has often confused people how so well as as we we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, people often call it the banjo series because so many of the games in the series are banjo hyphen something. Yeah. Whereas I think if the first game had been banjo and kazooie, the same way you have a Mario and Luigi series, it would put a greater emphasis on kazooie being a separate character who is equally <laughs> important to the game. Um. And but also, I, like, I every think... game is Banjo-Kazooie something, except for Banjo-Tooie, which, uh, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. they made, they just had to make that pun, so, like, I guess that's thrown people off ever since. Yeah. People are probably <laughs> like, who, who's Tooie? Well, there's Banjo-Pilot as well, but oh, nobody that's cares true. about banjo I, That's the only um, Banjo-Game I've never played, so I forgot yeah. it existed. I care about Banjo-Pilot. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sorry um, that you care about it. I'm sorry that nobody else cares about it. Espresso's yeah. in it. Um, that's eh, Saberman's in it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think Kazooie's name being left off of some of the titles just kind of de-emphasizes her 
and leads to people just leaving her off the descriptor when they're talking about the series. So it's the banjo games, I, putting sh- emphasis on banjo when banjo's kind of useless on his own, <laughs> and Kazooie's really important. So, so yeah, and I I also think that because banjo appeared by himself in Diddy Kong Racing, and and then mm. like ostensibly banjo kazooie with his spinoff the the fandom who's been around since at least 1997 had the the tendency to just refer to it as banjo series i just checked the dk vine forum to make because i i could have sworn we changed the forum discussion to banjo kazooie discussion we have not i'm gonna change that right now we have not it's still banjo discussion yeah go ahead and change it right now because i'm like well it's gonna be banjo and kazooie discussion in about three minutes well banjo hyphen kazooie is the name of the series no no we just talked about banjo hyphen hyphen kazooie if you look (laughs) no no no, okay but banjo and kazooie are the characters the series itself is banjo hyphen kazooie oh fine It's your forum. No, I'm just saying, like, that's, that, like, I, I make sure when I'm, because Smash, I think, solidified this, when you're referring to them as characters, Banjo, Ampersand, Kazooie. When you're referring to the game or the series, Banjo hyphen Kazooie. And, and not everybody uses that, but that is our sort of, uh, standard guide, like, our style guide. For when writing or referring to the characters or series. But anyway, yes, Kazooie is vitally important. She is the equal star of the Banjo-Kazooie series. Um, and, uh, even though she wasn't in Diddy Kong Racing, you know, from, from the very first game in the Banjo-Kazooie series, she has been an equally important co-lead 50-50 down yes. the middle. Um, what do we think about Kazooie, her personality, which can be kind of abrasive? She's a sassy bitch and everyone loves her. D- yeah, does everyone I- still love her? Because I, 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 I... Those people are wrong and don't exist. Here's the thing. I actually think that, like, there have been so many, like, sassy sidekick type characters uh, through the years in video gaming. And I can't say this for sure, but I would imagine that a good deal of them were inspired by Kazooie. Like she was one of the forerunners. And like, if you think about like Jack and Daxter, like I, I, you know, it's hard for me to not believe that Daxter wasn't inspired by Kazooie at least a little bit. Considering the games themselves like are very, or the first game is very banjo. Like the sequels, not so much. Yeah. Like you had a lot of buddy duo characters after like, Mario and Luigi popularized that format. And of course, Donkey Kong Country riffing on that with Donkey and Diddy. And so you had a lot of sort of two equally, two like-minded people uh, as a as a duo, Double Dragon, Donkey and Diddy, Mario and Luigi, just et cetera, et cetera, across um, consoles and video games. And then after Banjo-Kazooie, as Courtney points out, you start seeing a wealth of grounded main guy and sassy sidekick character (laughs) so yeah um if you grew up with a lot of those types of characters and you didn't grow up with banjo kazooie and you're just like approaching it now it's just going to seem like oh just another one of these but you realize it's one of the originals you know no yeah that's always interesting to stumble across like 
the originator of a trope and be like, oh, this is kind of vanilla. And it's like, yeah, because it's the thing that defined it. <laughs> it, it I, I remember 98 playing Banjo-Kazooie and how refreshing and funny Kazooie was. Um, I think Tui is is where I'm like, I, I question if Kazooie is just straight up psychotic, where where she's like... The, her her interactions with Bottle's family post Bottle's death, and I'm I'm like, get a grip, Kazooie! Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what really are you thinking? Like so much. I mean, I but, then, but then when when Terry makes the joke about uh, blowing up his large child, she's like, holy crap, man, that's too far. Hold, yeah. Like, like she's the one to call him on it. Like I, I don't think Kazooie is actually like as nihilistic as Conker gets in Bad Fur Day. Uh, I, I think Kazooie does have um, sort of a moral compass and center, uh, even if she doesn't let us, the the viewer, the gamers, see it often. Um, again, you could even like hand wave away the way she acts around Model's family as her processing her grief over over losing this person who was her friend but she doesn't really acknowledge as a friend and we all grieve in different ways and sometimes we resort to gallows humor and that was her sort of doing that uh which i think would fit the character um but i mean yeah like you're right like banjo isn't much fun to play as without kazooie is he yeah pretty much i always hated that part of tui <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It I I extremely I, I, fun to play as without banjo. <laughs> yeah. I also didn't I like mean, playing as Mumbo. Not... Mm-hmm. Mumbo is extremely uninteresting to play as. Banjo's not okay. I should should reiterate. Banjo's not unfun to play as as Kazooie. He's just a lot less fun to play as himself. I think um, Grundy's Revenge actually fixes that a little bit by giving him sort of a comparable but less effective moveset and then at the beginning when he's separated from her and then when they're reunited suddenly everything's better because that's the upgrade you have Kazooie now <laughs> and everything is good again so yeah yeah but yeah and, and and when I do have Kazooie in the backpack I still like walking around as Bancho I'm not one of those gamers who always talent trots everywhere mm. I like to f- I can't do that just because, like, the noise drives me insane after long enough. And I think they designed that. <laughs> I love you, Kazooie, but the, the constant uh, Kazooie noises would make me lose my mind. I have to think they designed that, too, like, to have an obnoxious noise so people wouldn't spam it. I like to feel uh, the feet on the ground. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to, I like to see Banjo's legs moving because it feels more gratifying than when I do break out the talent trot. I, I honestly think that's why they put the energy meter on the, the reptile roll in ukulele. Yeah, ukulele. No, it, it, so it people it, wouldn't just be doing it all the time. Definitely, definitely. And we'll, we'll get to Lele, uh here in, <laughs> in just a bit. Um, before we uh, move on from Banjo Kazooie and specifically from Banjo's uh, associates, uh, we, sh- we should probably talk about Tootie really quick because right, Tootie, Tootie is a character that exists. Well, she she's had kind of a resurgence in recent years. Uh, That's true. Yeah, the, the, we are in the Tootie sense. Uh, oh God, the Tootie sense. 
Tootspective. This is that's what this this mm. portion of the program is. Uh, 2D, uh, you know, we we talked about how there's never really been a damsel in distress in Rare's Donkey Kong, and so the first uh, arguable spinoff of the series has a damsel in distress, which which felt a little retrograde at the time. It was like okay. Uh, but it, well, it kind of works with the, f- the fractured fairy tale yeah, sort of yeah, style of, of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And if it also helps that, you know, one half of the protagonist is this, this sassy lady in the backpack. Um, but, but Tootie, yeah, Banjo's little sister who gets abducted by the witch to get her beauty sucked out. And, and she's, she's, she, well, she exists. Yep. That's about it. Um, I do find it interesting. We found out, I don't actually know when this was real, that the original plan, like they have that, they do that fake out credits thing in Banjo-Kazooie that they do in all the Donkey Kong Country games for they're cementing this as just a Donkey Kong Country game on the N64. Um, and like they're, they're having the barbecue back down at home when 2D walks out and is like, guys, what the fuck? We didn't defeat Gruntilda. Get back up there. Um, and they they run back up there in a cutscene, and it's time to go fight Gruntilda and the end boss. And the plan was apparently originally that um, Tootie would have to make the run back. You would play as her and and do the run back up Gruntilda's lair to the top. So it's interesting to sort of think that at one time we were going to have playable 2D in the first game in this this side series and now we don't that just never happened it's also have you have you ever like stopped and processed what cuz 2D is saying there um where she's you you have defeated her you rescue 2D you foil Gruntilda's plan is 2D saying hey what the fuck you didn't murder that witch i want her well, dead i want like, her in the ground hmm. <laughs> I mean, she is the one who got kidnapped, so like, right. she, she's That's the one fair. who would want to see Grunty suffer the most. Right, I, I want you to draw she's blood in my name. Girl. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, she's also the one who wanted to go on an adventure with Banjo, which I always viewed as like Banjo patronizing his sister. It's like, yeah, I'll take you on a grand adventure. Like maybe Tootie like learned about what he did with Whizpig um like half a year ago and and he's like yeah I'll take you on an adventure and 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 like I would like to know more about Tootie's aspirations like does Tootie want to be a video game hero I don't know um because yeah, she she disappeared after Banjo Kazooie Yeah it's and we know that Tiny was a bit of a reskin of the the rig they had for Tootie um, so it's it's kind of interesting to view in that lens that we kind of know a bit about like what her base walking around and gameplay would have been like too, and it's like we can we kind of have this weird little window into what it could have been, uh, but is not, and they even sort of make a joke about that with the like have you seen me milk carton in the sequel, <laughs> um, she just disappeared, yeah. Um, it, it seems weird that she does like canonically just 
go missing and nobody's that concerned about it after that being the crux of the plot for the first game. <laughs> I know we fan wanked that she ran away to Minecraft because she, she next resurfaced in as a Minecraft skin, which Rare said were, were canonically the characters. But um, yeah, I mean, like, as far as the Banjo-Kazooie series goes, she doesn't appear again. She's in Minecraft. She's in Smash as a yep. background element and spirit. Yep. Yep. But like I said, she's she, she's undergoing a ret, uh, a 2D right now, along with the Gingernator and the Gingernator Sans. That's uh, true. She got merch. She 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 got the U2s figure, uh, which is the first piece of 2D merchandise. Well, that's not true. I think in Japan there was a 2D plush, but um. And that was back in 98. So, yeah, the, the the first new piece of 2D merchandise in two decades. So, who knows? The, the, the future looks bright for 2D, probably more so than Calypso or even Tiny Kong. So That's just bizarre to think about. What's, well, what, what about Gruntilda, the person who wanted 2D's beauty for herself? Grunt, Gruntilda, one of the most beloved Banjo-Kazooie characters. And... Uh, Probably the DKU antagonist that comes closest to K. Rule as far as devoted fan following. She's, she's so good. Like K. Rule, she gets she undergoes a uh, a look uh, change in each game. Um, she's got a new style going on for each appearance. Yeah, that style is being dead <laughs> <laughs> and be, and be, and being increasingly more death, dead. Death does not slow down the women of the Donkey oh, yeah. Kong universe. S- Skeleton Grunty is so cool, and it's a shame that, like, like most things, Banjo Tooie, people just don't think of it as and, much as they think yeah, of Banjo because like, I also Skeleton like, Grunty's awesome. yeah. I like possessing a mech Grunty from Gunty's Revenge and head in a jar Grunty from Nuts and Bolts as well. They're all great. Yeah. Um, and of course, who can forget holographic projection of her old body, Gruntilda, in Banjo Pilot? Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just she's she's a great villain. She has so much personality. It's just amazing. She like like other stuff in Panja Kazooie. She kind of defined an era of of game villain. Like I think she's the direct originator of things that would pop up in later competing series, like in in Crash Bandicoot games, where you have have Doctor and whatever the pun is in this game talking over a loudspeaker to you or something, or in the Sly Cooper games where you've got those sorts of quips i i definitely think that's directly pulling from grunty just sort of being a constant presence in the lair and that that was a thing rare was kind of trying to do in that era they because i remember them talking about um k rule and dk64 and how they they wanted their villains to be a present throughout the entire game, even if yeah. you didn't fight them until the end of it. So you see that in, in Grunty in, in the earlier Banjo-Kazooie as well, where she's kind of cackling at you and making quips and commenting on things and whatnot. And it's just great. We get to know her really well uh, through that and also through uh, Brintilda's uh, trivia of her, <laughs> which just kind of 
gives you a, a way too much information peek into her life. Um, she just thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, oh, go for it. Is that like something that I think is really awesome about Grunty is you don't often get a female character who is allowed to just be like as purely disgusting as Grunty is. Um, even if you get a like lady villain, a lot of the time they're like the sexy femme fatale type. But like, even though Grunty is trying to become sexy, like there's no indication that her personality would change. Like she'd be this like oh, yeah. super hot lady, but she'd still be like washing her hair with like dumb yeah. shampoo or whatever it's the heck, you know, like, like if Mario <laughs> put on a super crown. Um. Exactly. <laughs> And I think that's I think that's cool because like I don't know yeah. there's still lots of male characters who are like they're allowed to be like gross and have the potty humor or whatever but like, yeah you don't get that with women so much yeah e- even like towards the end of the game where Gratilla just vomits in Dingpot um yeah. And, and yeah and this Dingpot's like oh yeah Gruntilda just threw up in me hop on in you know it's just like what like <laughs> what, what? oh poor dingpot oh yeah poor poor uh, so many like there's a reason why all the banjo kazooie characters are in the words of sakurai poor souls yep. yeah i really want someone to do uh little mermaid's poor unfortunate souls in the banjo kazooie sound font Sure, just, I'll I'll get on that right now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe I'll pay Ape to do that. Uh, yeah, Gruntilda's great, and you know, I I hope whenever we do get a new Banjo Kazooie game that it does build because I, I know so many people probably just want her to revert to her quote unquote iconic appearance, just <sighs> the uh, the classic green Halloween witch. But it it would be nice if you could like expand on where we left her with nuts and bolts. Yeah, I I don't know where you go after you're a skull in a jar, but you know she can get creative know. with it. Yeah, maybe maybe you do something with her apparently large supply of sisters. Just just have know. more sisters, or she could like put her brain in the body of another yeah, sister maybe maybe every world like there's a like similar to how you had a bunch of Kongo fights in Tui, you just have a bunch of fights of uh grunty possessing this sister <laughs> this now or something yeah i mean i think if they did want to retcon back her original appearance like there's ways to do that like you know she there's magic and like she's like actually in the employ of a literal god right now so he could do whatever he wanted that's but, true but i'm not saying i think they should do that but if they did want to go that route i think they could easily make it canonically make enough yeah, sense you yeah. know so long as there's an explanation for it and it isn't like banjo pilot where i have to invent one and then get <laughs> the side eye from gibbon <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even even the rare people like they reference Banjo Pilot in some some canon materials, and they were like, "Wait, did that happen? What was going on there?" <laughs> so they kind of lampshade it in universe. I know, I know, I know. I I keeps me up at night. Uh, <laughs> well, Gibbon, uh, we're we're going to uh, briefly touch upon uh, an area near and dear to your heart. Uh, okay, and that yeah. is the Conquer series, the the True. robust 
women of the Conquer series. Just, <laughs> oh, they're robust. Yeah, robust. <laughs> yeah, this is on the bus. Um, I, of course, am referring to I, the sunflower. Uh, yeah, no, no. Barry. Barry, who was destined for great things, was going to be the chipmunk equivalent of, of your Dixie Kongs. Didn't yeah, really work like, out for her in the long it run. Didn't, like, she... So you had the original plan with 12 Tales that it was it it didn't even have conquer in the title it was just 12 tales no 12 um, tales conquer 64 was it yeah okay. um but it was starring conquer and barry and that actually holds over into the final project it says starring conquer and barry even though barry's no longer playable but she was going to be a secondary playable character um she was going to play differently than conquer she was going to have her own strengths and weaknesses and be a co uh protagonist um, she was kind of relegated to a damsel in distress in pocket tales. She was relegated to, I don't want to call her a damsel in distress in bad fur day. Cause like she doesn't seem terribly bothered with the kidnapping at all. And kind of seems annoyed to see Conker when he shows up and saves her. She, she um, I, I really, yeah, she, she was almost like, I'm mad at you, Conker, so I'm going to become the mole of the mafia. Yeah, like, <laughs> she, she was, the, the focus of the game was getting home to her. Yeah. But she wasn't ever really in distress. She gets caught up in things, but she kind of proves that she's just as competent and um i know you haven't played it yet and refuse to watch the the playthrough i put up on youtube because i want to experience gets, it myself that gets fleshed out a little bit in young conquer where where she does get kidnapped by is a professor and then promptly breaks out of her imprisonment and acts as your informant <laughs> um who just sneaking around his lair and giving you information about it um so like she's in distress for maybe like five minutes um i mean just demonstrates that she's a competent spy mm -hmm. in in her own right i I imagine she decided to get into uh the spy craft once you know once you're abducted by an evil acorn you're like that's never gonna happen to me again uh like yeah, yeah something like that and just that that sort of you can see that they drew inspiration for that from bad fur day where she's just as good at the stuff she's participating in as conquer is. So like I, at like I wrote in the show notes, she, she has a lot of potential and right. Like you wrote in the show notes, she had a lot of potential, but she got fridged. She, she um, did get fridged for, we, for conquer's angst. Um, we, we know from Chris Seaver's, uh, publicly available notes uh, for other bad day that she was going to come back in a big way for the sequel um, in a different capacity, but that didn't happen ultimately. So now she's, she's, yeah. she's still dead. She's still dead. Uh, well, I would argue based on the liner notes in the live and reloaded CD uh, that shows Conquer and Barry in their live and reloaded designs chilling on the throne, that she does come back to life somehow, eventually. Um, and they're okay and hanging out together. But that's only the type of obsessiveness you'll find here on DK Vine. <laughs> yeah, so, I, um, not. <sighs> now it's Hyle's turn to roll his eyes at me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Turnabout's fair play. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, she, like I said, she was fridged, but you know, they both kind of sucked. Usually, when a character is fridged, yeah, it, it's it's to like like. They both had their moral failings. That's what I kind of find interesting about Barry. I don't like, I don't like her as a character, really. I, I don't like what she became, but I don't like what Conker became either. But that's the point. You know, it, it, it's like, um. Yeah, but, but like Conker mellowed out and like, like I would have, would love to see like Barry, assuming she got brought back like around the era of big reunion and see how maybe she's mellowed out and stuff as well. So, yeah, it's it's just, it's a shame when you look at what she could have been in in, with 12 tales. And I'm not saying like, I wish we got 12 tales over conquerors bad fur day. Um, I wish we got both. uh, Yeah. But you know, she, she would have been an equal co-lead and she would have, had the little dinosaur um and you know it, it would have been interesting to see how her character would have been portrayed how it w- she would have been perceived um rather than becoming this kind of ditzy valley girl uh in, in conquer's bad fur day which yeah. ah whatever cordy what do you think about barry if you think anything about barry be honest i don't really like Conquer um, either of the Conquer <laughs> games fine. I played, which are yeah. Pocket Tales and Bad <laughs> okay. I didn't like either of them, uh, so I don't really have strong opinions. I mean, I I understand why people like them, and I understand a lot of that appeal is just sort of this sort of I guess, like you said, both both of these characters suck, and you know, like it's just kind of a, a more like I don't know if I want to say nihilistic, but that's the word that comes to mind—a more mm. nihilistic story. I get you. Uh, but it just doesn't really appeal to me in a story sense or a gameplay sense. But but Conker's Pocket Tales, I mean, the the acorn people, you like those, right? Well, that game certainly got a lot of laughs out of me. Okay, I'll, I'll take the, the, it. The part where one of the acorn people in the Wild West town, like Honker, just straight up killed him. That was pretty <laughs> funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but well, a lot of characters died. Like uh, wrinkly yeah, Barry, even, even the in Undertaker, tales, people just died. Yeah, um, straight up murdered. Uh, just yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's much more to say on Barry. Like she's got a pretty defined uh, character arc. Yeah, <laughs> that ends um, pretty definitively. G- grabbed by uh, an evil yes. acorn that popped out of a birthday cake, taken to catacombs, rescued, joins the mafia, gets shot in space. Yep. Yep. Oldest story. Taylor's oldest time. Well, yeah. uh, before we move on from <laughs> Nintendo, uh, th- there's one more contribution rare made uh, to Nintendo before they, they left. Um, yes. One for- more was supposed to be a co-lead and then got uh, stuck in a go-go cage. I mean, Crystal for... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> Crystal, yeah, and Crystal very similar to Barry in this respect, where at one point she was going to have 50% of the game, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, when it was Dinosaur Planet, which we, we all know about more than ever, thanks to the uh, ROM leaks. Yeah. And then 
circumstances got in the way the game was heavily altered and retooled and then by the end of it she became i guess a damsel in distress she she you can uh, say it was miyamoto's fault it's okay (laughs) i mean i mean i i don't do we really blade at his feet completely i mean i lay a lot of things at his feet so yeah (laughs) I'm I mean, totally willing to throw him under the bus for this. I think the Stampers wanted it just as much as he did. Like, um, there are some interviews from Miyamoto and and uh, I can't remember who the other person was that were like, yeah, we wanted them to play up the sex appeal. And oh, oh, we're talking about the sex appeal. I I just thought you I, meant it becoming Star Fox Adventures and Crystal having oh, a diminished role yeah, because of no, that. No, I can't lay the the blame for it becoming Star Fox Adventures completely on Miyamoto's feet. Like, he, he played a role in that, obviously, just as he played a role in other games becoming Nintendo things instead of their own things, because hey, this looks like this, why don't we just make it that uh, was kind of a running theme at Nintendo and still is to some extent. Um, But the actual sidelining her i don't know whose decision that was the change in her character design yeah i'm gonna lay that on nintendo's feet so yeah it it seems weird for such a uh like historically viewed as a buttoned up uh family friendly company to be like not not to do the bit mitchell did in the last episode but Oh yeah, we we need more sex appeal in this game. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, make her sexy. Oh, you know, like you don't think. Except that- they kind of admitted doing that in the in their interview. So. I, yeah, it just it. Just, I mean, I know like Nintendo like spawned from love motels and whatnot. So may, maybe there. Forget that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe there is some DNA in there. No, that's gross. I don't. I that, that's not what I meant. Uh, maybe there's like just just something still like in them where they have to you know get out their jollies every so often. But uh, it, it just like it cracks me so up up so much like. At the very end of the game, when like Crystal and Fox are talking to each other, and there's like the sexy sax music oh, the that comes random in, saxophone <laughs> and then like oh at the end God. of the credits, you know, the credits are just this like triumphant Star Fox music, but then at the end, there's like another like sax riff, and it's like, oh yeah, you know what's going on. Like you, I that clip is up on YouTube, and there's so many people being like, "Wow, what was the original music before you edited in the sexy Looney Tune <laughs> saxophone?" It, does, it seems like a shit ghost. <laughs> Like yeah, it seems like a YouTube poop, but it's not. It, it's uh, yeah. I I just love that the rare tenure uh, with Nintendo consoles ended with just essentially uh, pornographic sax music. It's it just 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 works somehow. Dave uh, is just playing them out, you know. Yeah, that's his parting <laughs> shot. <laughs> Uh, uh no but like uh, we we could talk about like oh how the original iteration of crystal was better or or would have been better i do like the character of crystal uh and, yeah. and i especially because i stayed with it with her mm-hmm. and and the development the evolution coming out of star fox adventures with star fox assault uh, and yeah, Starbucks command. Um, <laughs> if if she'd just been dropped and we'd never seen her again, this would be a different conversation. But she came back and was a a 
major character to varying degrees in in the two following Star Fox games. Yeah, she so, was she was yeah. a full fledged member of Team Star Fox and Star Fox Assault, uh, and was I I, I think a because character who appeared in Camille, but yes, <laughs> and and had some dubious character direction in the branching timelines there, but. Uh, <laughs> Star Fox Assault, I really liked her. I, I, I like what she brought to the team. I like that we have this empath on the team who was like, sec- yeah, it was a very, it was a very Star Trek thing. Yeah. You know, like it reminded me of, of like Deanna Troy. Psychic. Yeah. Yeah. Troy yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, but yeah, I, I thought it worked and I thought it was, it yeah. was. Like you still had Peppy there on the Great Fox as kind of like the the mentor, so you still ha- you didn't lose him as a character. You just mm. gained a character, and you know I know some people had a problem with that, just like they had a problem with Venus de Milo, like in the Ninja Turtles, like oh you're breaking up the boys' club with this lady. <laughs> but uh, you know, also like I know most of the renders of Star Fox Assault still had her pose seductively, but they did give her. Uh, more clothing. She wasn't just wearing this weird, like, Amazonian warrior outfit. Yeah, like, why the fuck was she in that outfit? Oh, because that's what they—that's what they wore on Cernia. Cer- yeah, but she's not from Cernia. Cernia. What? Her planet. Mm. Her planet. No, mm. no, I don't buy it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, she's she is wearing better clothing this time around. Yes. Um, and then she becomes cursed. Yeah. <laughs> that was a thing that happened in, she, in one of the endings. She runs off with Team Star Wolf. And, or she, she has kids with Fox. Yeah, one of these two things happens. Yeah. Anyway, I like Crystal. Screw the haters. I, yep. I, I wish they did more with her in Star Fox Adventures. But she is redeemed. In, in Assault, and also appeared in Command. And then one of the trophy descriptions in Super Smash Brothers, I think it was Super Smash Brothers 4 3DS, suggested she used her telepathic abilities with uh, for sexual reasons with Fox. So of there, course it does. That, that happened to... A Smash Bros. trophy says that. Those, yep. those Smash trophies are so thirsty at times. I'm like, what is happening I, here? I have to imagine they don't review all of them because there's just a <laughs> million of them. And they just sort of skim over them and see if there's anything <laughs> obvious that stands out. So you get shit like that. It yeah, just it's kind gets of like through. Grunty doing a scary striptease, making it into Banjo-Kazooie. You know? <laughs> they, they just didn't read all of those Grunty lines. I mean, Rare got away with so much, but some, like their stuff was more subtle compared to some of the stuff that made its way into the Smash. Yeah, like level architecture that you. True, have to but I don't think a scary striptease. Yeah, I don't think a scary tri- striptease is that subtle. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's not. Yeah, you know, I think by that point I was so desensitized by Rare. <laughs> Even in '98, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, yeah, it seems about right. Like, uh, oh, well. Uh, but then the buyout happened, and Rare can no longer get their filth uh, on Nintendo. Uh, well, th- not, you know, on consoles. They still got their filth aplenty on the handhelds. See the That's true. I bet Nintendo loved the tip-top suite, because for them, that was just like oh, uh, yeah. going back to their roots. We know It's Mr. Pants was a step too far, considering how much they had to rein that back. 
<laughs> yes, let's maybe not call it the pants snake. Although I think yeah, let's the trousy snake. Yeah, yeah. well, Platonic uh, eventually got that in. Yeah, uh, they were playing the long game there. Uh, uh, but go, going to the Xbox era of Rare and the DKU, we had grabbed by the Ghoulies again, Courtney. Yes. Game you you know and love, yep. unlike Conker's Pocket Tales. I thought you loved Conker's Pocket Tales. I'm, I'm sorry to let you down. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm taken aback tonight. Oh, she she gave yeah, it a so good much for try. me being on this conversation ever again. <laughs> she <laughs> there played it, goes. it on actual hardware. I did. She I played it, it on the Game Boy Player on my Super mm-hmm. Nintendo. Can Can I ask you really quick before we move on? Uh, which version of Conker's Pocket Tales did you find superior? Okay, to be fair, I fe- I played only the worst version the like monochrome version no 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 i think the the monochrome gb version is the better version of the two really because i i heard it was worse because you can't save everywhere like it's it's more difficult you can't save everywhere and it's more difficult in the fact that the boss ai is not broken um Ah. because in the color version the boss ai is completely broken and makes boss fights really easy um well, that's the version I played. I only played. I one. I think it's more interesting, and I like that you have save points, um, because I I was weaned on save points with your Candy Kongs and Wrinkly Kongs and what have you. So anyway, I I I think it's superior. I think the Game Boy Color version, while okay, uh, isn't as polished. And anyway, that's just my opinion. I wanted to hear what you think, but you only played the superior version, so so you wouldn't know. All right. Um, opinion on it, to be fair. i got to <laughs> give it another chance sometime. So grab by the Ghoulies, uh, I, I think did a little bit better than your, your Bad Fur Days and your Star Fox Adventures when it came to uh, actually incorporating the, uh, the female co-lead in Amber. Uh, although, like, Amber wasn't presented as the co-lead, like, Barry and Crystal were at one point. She did eventually have the entire game to herself if you got the Challenge 21. That's true. What, she was originally going to be playable in the main story? Is that true, or... Did you not know that? I did not know that. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where I heard this. It was only, like, within the past couple years, but... Was it in Rare Replay? Um, was that in, like, a, a, the documentary? I, th- I think it was, like, something that Greg Mills was tweeting about or something. Um, okay. Maybe it was before I was on... i find a source on that. It maybe, might have to be after this, but I'll try to, like, send it to you. Maybe, but, a, maybe it was before well, I took over the Twitter account. You all know way more about Grabbed by the Ghoulies than I do, so I'll let you drive the section, and I'll see if I can find the source for that. Okay, well, uh, you know, a- Amber... Sh- she, I think it was also like in just the early stages of planning. So I don't know if she even had like a name back then, but it was supposed to be, I, I think Cooper might've had a different name too, but it was just supposed to be like, um, like a teenage girl and a teenage guy. And you could choose which one you wanted to play us. She, uh, she and Cooper, uh, and this is a little known fact. They are both American tourists, uh, in England, um, and that's that's from rare uh that's why Coop- cooper says football cooper says uh, soccer instead of oh, yeah, football he says soccer yeah instead yeah of football. but they're they're apparently american tourists um doing the whole like backpacking through the english countryside sort of a, a american werewolf um situation there but um yeah i don't know like i i like amber i like cooper um they kind of have this this bickering back and forth, uh, which 
I guess, given the circumstances, uh, it makes sense, uh, considering Amber becomes a, a monster, <laughs> you know, early on in the story. Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I I always got the sense that Amber was, like, actually the more competent one, but there's, like, this comical series of mishaps where she keeps getting, like, more and more misfortunes happening upon her. And so, like, you know, first she just gets kind of grabbed, and then she gets turned into, like, a, sort of a simple ghoulie. And then she's supposed to be, like, cured by Cooper collecting all these ingredients, but instead, uh, Ma Soupswell accidentally puts in the wrong ingredients, so she gets turned into an even bigger monster. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. That's that's always, like, the way the story read to me because Cooper is just such, like, a huge dork and he's, like, terrified all the time by everything. and By ringing phones, like this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, no, a phone ring. I mean, to be fair, if my phone rings, I also get scared because I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> what is it? But, you but, know, uh, but yeah, I know. My mom, when I, when I was a kid, my mom, uh, if the phone rang after, like, 8 p.m., she would shout, someone's dead. Yeah, and so that gave, <laughs> that gave me a complex, believe it or not, throughout life. So now I can't have my phone on anything but silent because the sound of a ringing phone will just put me on edge. I have to shave the hairs on the back of my neck because they will always stand up at the sound mm-hmm. of a ringing phone. It, it's it's terrible. So I I relate with Cooper there, but also <laughs> if I if I fought like my three hundredth monster. Within the last few hours and a phone rings, I'm not going to be thinking like, oh, no, you know, a ringing phone. I'm yeah, going to have a heart attack. I think attack. I probably wouldn't care about yeah. that point. Or maybe I would try to dial out and like ask for help, you know, like, hey, hey, we're in a haunted mansion with this crazy baron who's abducted like a dozen children. Um, send <laughs> send for the police. Uh, I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, in Challenge 21, Amber fights herself, so that raises some questions. I guess, I guess... Is that she, like, she could do it, like, it's just, like I said, the comical series of mishaps that keep, you know, disabling her from being able to help Cooper break out of there. Right, I, I think I'm, that's I'm... maybe one reason why Cooper is so scared, is because he's probably used to, like, you know, working with his girlfriend on stuff, and he has to be all alone here. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, what what is the story rationale in Challenge 21 for Amber fighting her own ghouly self? Like, is, is that a clone of herself? Like, did uh, I don't know? I'm probably probably I, you're probably not supposed to view can, uh, Challenge 21 as canonical, but of course I do. I I, I was like, it's oh, just like a nightmare. Maybe it's a nightmare that she has while she's in her ghouly form, like. <laughs> Since we're since we're never getting the sequel to Grab by the Ghoulies, I like to <laughs> I like to think that you know the end of Grab by the Ghoulies when the Baron is flying towards Cooper and Amber, he just grabs them again and he brings them back, and then Challenge Twenty One <laughs> happens. And uh, since Challenge Twenty One ends without that cutscene, then the story is resolved mm-hmm. and we can all just move on with our lives. So, <sighs> Courtney, you want to talk about Lefos, right? <laughs> I mean, I have played Viva Pinata for maybe about like two hours total in my life. <laughs> she was cool. I have a, I feel bad because I have like a close friend who Lefos is one of her favorite characters. And I was thinking of maybe reaching out to her today, but I didn't have time. But mm. Lefos has fans and people love yeah. her. But I just am not the person to talk about that really. 
Okay, because in the show notes, it says we, we have these notations under Lefos. I hope at least one of you knows about, knows more about her than I do. Ha ha. And then under that, yep. there's the bullet point. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've played a lot of Viva Pinata, but only because I used to work in uh, Xbox QA testing. So I wasn't playing the story at all. <laughs> um, I don't know anything about these weak characters at I, all. I was hoping one of you two did. I'll say this, because Viva Pinata admittedly comes from a rather dim period of knowledge for the DKU for me, because this was the time where I was in college, I was doing stuff away from DK Vine, uh, pursuing at the time what I thought was going to be, you know, my career path. And uh, Viva Pinata came out. I I was you know interested in. I got it, but I never like fully invested in it. Um, mm. It's one of those things on my bucket list. Like I need I need to actually give Viva Pinata a good solid uh, romp. Yeah. Like like I'm finally doing with Saber Wolf. So hey, you know I'll get there mm. eventually. But uh, uh, Cameron's coming to our rescue in the chat. He says. Uh, that Louise O'Connor gave her a description of uh, that she's supposed to be nice, but also is subtly condescending, basically talking to you with the cadence of a preschool teacher. Hmm, that's an interesting personality there. I, so. do, I do like all of the humans in Viva Piñata, how they're a bunch of weirdos who are, like, obsessed with the piñatas and, and just, like... They they remind me a little bit of like the chopper bird from Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, who's just this dude dressed like a bird and just <laughs> living amongst the yeah, the hella they, birds. They come from this period where Rare was kind of obsessed with putting people in weird masks. You saw a lot of that in the Saberman Stampede character designs as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Mumbo was going to be in Viva Pinata at one point, even. As one of the the NPCs around the village, and it, it was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just like somebody at Rare saw Eyes Wide Shut, and they're really into like these <laughs> kinky sex clubs, and they're like, yeah, yeah, characters in mask. That's 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 what the kids want. That's what's going to bring us thinking su- success. 2005's Mirror Mask, but you do you. I, I don't know. Um, Anyway, that's that's my substantive contribution to the Lethos <laughs> discussion of the episode. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Uh, I I can more confidently talk about uh, some ukulele characters if we want to move on to them. Yeah, let's do that. Let's stop embarrassing ourselves. Yes, Lely. Oh. Uh, let, let's talk about Lely because Kazooie. Obviously, like Lely is is viewed by most as just an XP for Kazooie, right? Like, here we have this bad character mm. that rests on the uh, sort of uh, every person, layman, uh, kind of, uh, like, straight act of, of the group. Like, just the, yeah. like, the banjo um, to, you know, Laylee's Kazooie. Um, uh, but I, I think Laylee is actually quite a bit different from Kazooie once you get past the surface level comparisons. Um, Laylee is more hyper energetic, almost bombastic. Um, she's, she's more childlike, I think in her demeanor than Kazooie is. 
Yeah, I think that's accurate. Like, she like, definitely yeah. got. Like, I would say she's more impulsive, and you know, since you used the B word earlier, I'll just say she's she's less bitchy for just the sake of bitchiness. She's more um, impish. If that, if, if she's like a gremlin, and I love it. She's got that gremlin energy. Yeah, especially in uh, Ukulele and the Cracklestone, the uh, Dream oh, Prism yeah. Press graphic novel, canonical graphic novel, by the way, uh, and so uk- Ukulele and the Impossible Lair, especially. Like, the, the original Ukulele, I could see, oh yeah, she feels like Kazooie, but the um, subse- subsequent appearances and works, she is definitely her own character. And, and, and like... The, the childlike aspect of her, like, she likes binging cartoons and she's, she's just, um, she, she's more prone to get into trouble. I, I think it mm-hmm. comes across a little bit more clearly. I really love Laylee. I, I was, I wasn't really sold oh, on yeah. her with the original ukulele, but ever since then, uh, I think her character and, and the work they've done developing her has been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I generally agree with all that. I like her distinctive personality. I like the the subtle ribbing of her big nose. Um, yeah, I think I, her like sassiness almost comes from like it, like it makes more sense than Kazooie's. Where we love Kazooie, but like I don't know, you might ask why is Kazooie so like sassy and mean to people? And it's like, well, that's just how she is. That's just her personality. But like. People make fun of Laylee because she's small, she's got a big nose, whatever. So, like, I can see her, like, meanness developing as almost a defense mechanism. Like, she's going to stand up for herself. So she's, before anyone says anything mean about her, she's going to she's gonna beat him to it. She's mm-hmm. going to find what she can make fun of about the other person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that gives her good motivation, I guess. Like, I always just presumed Kazooie was mean because, um... I don't know. She, she, she's stuck in a backpack all the time. Like it. <laughs> yeah, but she seems to like it there. She does. Like, yeah, she stays there by choice. Yeah. Well, whereas Laylee has a nice, sweet setup. She lives in a pirate ship and has her own comfy chair and TV. She's that's got, upside like, down. An upside down yeah. TV. Yeah. Yeah. Down <laughs> yeah. So yeah. She, yeah. Anyway, uh, Laylee's great. Uh, Dr. Puzz is a character that's also grown on me quite a bit. Oh, she's so amazing. Um, talk, she, ab- yeah. talk about, uh, Ukulele and a Cracklestone. I feel, I feel like, um, having the time to develop in that as well has done wonders for the way I perceive her and, and others perceive her. I actually opened it up today again to look through it before this, and I hadn't looked at it in a couple years, and... Gosh, the expressions that she has yeah. on some of the pages are just so fun. She's got the like good mad scientist energy to her, mm-hmm. where she's like a, yeah, a yeah. positive, but also still kind of insane scientific force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cracklestone does so much for the cast, just giving them like like Ukulele. The first game has a solid foundation, and Cracklestone just just adds the finishing touches on everyone's character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He does it for like, characters who needed it, like Dr. Puzz and Dr. Quack. Like, capital B's barely in it, but he has plenty of time to shine in the actual mm-hmm. game, so like, yeah, you know, he yeah. didn't need it as much. Yeah. So, like, the thing I like about Dr. Puzz is, one, like, when we look at like the XP characters from <laughs> Ukulele, um, that, you know, uh, comparing them to Banjo-Kazooie, 
Uh, Dr. Puzz is completely different than Mumbo, like using science rather than magic. And also the fact that we have a scientist character that isn't villainous or doesn't start as villainous, you know, which is so often so many mad scientists in the DKU, we, you know, Baron K. Rulenstein, Klungo, uh, doc, uh, Dr. Crackpot, and then uh, Zipper Fesser, and, and now Dr. Do Little Good. And it's just like, no, we have, we have a science as a force for good, for a change. I guess Cranky was the only, uh, positive example of that, but he's still, you know, he's, he's still a bastard. So, um, but Dr. Puzz, you know, as said, like stuck to her principles, uh, and Dr. Quack, another villainous mad scientist, but in the same game, uh, you know, sold out and, mm-hmm. If we accept the platonic sphere of canonicity as canon to the rest of the DKU, which we here at DK Vine do, of course, she has finally provided poor, poor Royston a (laughs) stable, loving home where he no longer has to fear about being barbecued and eaten and abused, stuck in a haunted mansion, hit with a golf club. Uh, He doesn't have to. Has she ever acknowledged him in there? Doesn't matter. Yes, I can't remember exactly, but I feel like there was mention of her having a fish in there at least once, but Mm. not given a name or anything. No, of course not. We couldn't have that. But like, (laughs) you know, he doesn't have to disguise himself as a pinata. He 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 can just be. He can just (laughs) exist and feel uh, at home and safe. And Mm. it probably helps that you know spoilers, but we learn in Impossible Layer that. Dr. Puzz is actually originally a sea creature who fused with human DNA rather than what everybody assumed a human who fused with a squid or whatever. Um, mm. She she is originally a squid. And so probably Royston has some kinship with her. Uh, and I I can't wait to see what they do with her in the sequel or or wherever she'll pop up next in the Platonic verse. Uh, it, it's yeah. exciting. Um, re- really, like it, it's it's great. After you know, after we had Cracklestone and Impossible Layer, there's so much of the cast that I'm just in love with that I I really didn't get on board within the original ukulele but now i'm just Mm. like oh i can't wait to see where their character goes next where they develop and to see this continuity Mm -hmm. that platonic is so clearly building uh it it makes it exciting and unlike so many of these characters we've talked about tonight we know we will see her again (laughs) yeah there there isn't this game talking about how good dr puzz is makes me realize that we skipped over humba yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we need to talk about every woman in the DKU. Yeah. Um, You're right, we don't need to talk about Humba. Anyway, back to praising Dr. Puck. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's just, yeah. it, 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 it's a relief to know that at least some of these characters aren't at risk for like, oh, we may see them in the next game, we may not see them for 15 years, you know, the, the, none of that. No, Play, yeah. Platonic no, think, is, is having yeah. fruitful output. And they seem mm-hmm. to love their characters and their creations, and they seem to love uh, evolving them. So, Yeah, pretty but much. Speaking of characters who aren't on the list, I see that we uh, forgot someone here. I don't know if you wanted to talk about Queen Phoebe. 
Ooh. I'll, I'll let you talk about Queen Phoebe. Like I, like I said, we we left some out just because I wanted to hit some of the bigger ones, and we all wanted. Yeah. We all had specific characters we wanted to discuss. Um, they're just there's so many. Like when when we were making this short list, and it started not being so short of a list, it was yeah. like, wow, there's there's a lot more of these than I remember. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to talk about her briefly because, uh, well, first of all, I think her design is like really good. Like, I just think she's got such a cool like bee queen design. It's a, you know, a bee queen is a very common like type of character that you would see in a lot of things, but she just has such a like strong interpretation of, of that trope. And um, as I said, uh, Steve Mayles specifically said, you know, how far he's come since designing Candy Kong with queen mm-hmm. phoebe uh in particular so um it, that's kind of cool a cool bookend when we're discussing the uh women of the dku yeah and uh you know not to spoil the ending of impossible lair but uh you know there are some very implications very interesting implications for the future of the ukulele series involving her uh, given at the very mm-hmm. end of that game yeah so mm-hmm. i think we'll see more of her too mm-hmm Platonic's Platonic in general has has taken a lot of I know there were some complaints in the first game about it not being as good or expansive or or what have you as the Banjo series but I think one of the the unceasing ways that it succeeds monumentally is taking notes of what went right and what went wrong with the Banjo games and doing everything much better starting off this time around for sure creating the new cast of characters um so yeah just just a wonderful cast of characters that are much better put together uh, not that i don't love the banjo cassette cast but um i think they've really knocked it out of the park here well and it's it's great to see too that platonic um from from the outset of their formation you know when we had chris sutherland on the conversation way back in season three uh and and first talked with him before we even knew the game was going to be called ukulele or what it was about just this this notion that they know like their long tenured fans um from the rare days how much we adore characters and like seeing them grow and how much that it plays into their work. Like they're, they're, they're going to continue to evolve these characters. They're going to pop up. You might not see everyone in every game, but just like Rextro set out impossible layer. Well, Rextro is going to be back, you know, later on, we don't have to fear for any of these characters. This isn't, going to be like it is with the donkey kong series where yeah. oh oh will we ever see this character again oh i'm scared uh Heck, i'm is making a cameo appearance soon right right uh jitsu squad so yeah yeah so uh, yeah it, it, it's just great and yeah queen phoebe dr puzz laylee it, it, it's it's awesome to see like i i was disappointed when ukulele uh, when, when the characters were announced and defined, because I thought maybe briefly that both Yuka and Laylee would be women, would be, uh, like, I thought that would have been a oh, bold yeah, choice. I remember those initial speculation. Yeah, I, I thought that would have been a bold choice, or maybe you could have mm. sw- switched out, like, oh, maybe Laylee could have been, 
uh, female and Layla, you know, or Yuka could have been female and Layla could have been male, you know, but yeah, yeah. ultimately, you know, whatever, I'm going to trust Platonic, we'll get it right, and um, uh-huh. I do like Yuka and Layla as characters and wouldn't want to change them now anyway, so. For sure. Before we, because we, we we do have some calls to take, people were very interested in this uh, episode, um, wanted to touch upon Real quick, Sea of Thieves and how Rare has, uh, I think, done a really good job of portraying women in, in this kind of ahistorical haven set during or, or near the end of the golden age of piracy, where you, you have this like pocket realm that is the Sea of Thieves and you have sort of, um, an equalization of of both like men women non-binary like there there's the spectrum of the sea of thieves and mm. nobody is forced to play by the rules of outside society um and really quickly they have a lot of interesting women characters in the game um and i know we both or all three of us play sea of thieves so like mm-hmm. um really quick you know lorena um, the, who is also the, uh, co-lead of Athena's fortune. Uh, mm. we have Wanda and, and her yeah. twin sister, Wanda. Wanda. Yeah. <laughs> Briggsy. Wanda the warsmith and Wanda the regular smith. Briggsy, who did not want to be cursed and now has a cool figurine up for pre-order. Um. Right, from the same makers of the 2D figurine. Yeah. Uh, Bell, who was recently added to the game, but was one of the first characters we ever saw from it <laughs> uh, several years back. Um, the Siren Queen recently is a major antagonist uh, alongside Wanda, uh, but not Wanda. Um, <laughs> just just a range of women uh, in most in, most of them named Wanda. Yeah, yeah, range range of women in prominent positions and non prominent positions, like you. Have, tavern everything from tavern keepers and and shopkeeps and and clothiers to you know major villains in the game and and major uh quest giving npcs um that like and it's not exclusively women in all these positions there's men in the in similar positions as well it's just women are are equally spread across the sea of thieves uh ranging in prominence but no less important yeah than their male counterparts and i think that's lovely it is um, and, and it, it feels like so refreshing, uh, when you play it because it does like, you know, even, even today, like I say, like it's, it's atypical for the time period it's set in. It's atypical today. I mean, you know, in, in modern day. So it is refreshing to have this kind of, um, enclave, uh, you know, that everybody can escape to even with our, uh, troubling modern times and, <laughs> Uh, and, and it's really great that, you know, Rare put as much thought into it as they did and, um, hasn't made any missteps there, um, as, as far as the representation goes. And I think a lot, lar- lar- what's there's, that? There's, there's very conscious about that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. These days, modern Rare is. And, and I think a large part of that is modern Rare is no longer the boys club that old Rare used to be. Um, you know, there, there's so many talented, uh, female devs at Rare. Um, and, uh, 
I, I, I know all, we all wanted to discuss some notable names too from behind the scenes of the DKU throughout the years, notable women DKU devs, because Rare was a boys club, um, up until a certain point. There were very few women, um, at the studio back, you know, in, in the olden true. days. Um, and, and we're not going to be able to name them all, unfortunately, but there are a few on our short list that we wanted to give recognition to. They all deserve recognition, but, um, I, I think we all wanted to, you know, specifically highlight, uh, a few names here. Yeah, we, we have praised Donkey Kong Country 3 a lot during this episode. And so it would only be right to give a shout out to, uh, Evelyn Novakovic, um, who, uh, did the majority of the soundtrack for that game and also uh, a, a decent chunk of the soundtrack for Donkey Kong Country 1, which a lot of people uh, know about to a lesser extent, and also just general, um, some sound design and sound effects and other things. I think she was, did she voice Crystal in Star Fox Adventures? Um, did she? Uh, I know she she did some voice work. I think Crystal was one of them. She didn't voice her in later ones. She voiced some other uh, notable side characters in other games, but she was, she was around rare doing music and voices and sound effects and, and direction and other stuff up through like 2006 or so. Um, but uh, went into an early retirement. So she's doesn't get as much recognition as some she of did her a good interview recently, like the past couple years. Um, you know, time has sort of mm-hmm. ceased to make sense in the past <laughs> yeah. couple years. So I don't uh-huh. remember when exactly I saw this, but she gave she an interview five years ago or two years ago or last week <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Seven hours from uh, now. Yeah. But yeah, where she just sort of talked about um, her early career in the video game industry and, you know, why she retired and went into other pursuits and stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, because of her lack of prominence online, like, you know, Grant Kirkhope or, or David Wise, I, I think she's less known outside of Donkey Kong fandom. Like if you if you ask just like general Nintendo fans, they probably say, oh, David Wise did all of the music for the Donkey Kong Country trilogy. Uh, the ch- I have been it. corrected. Yeah. Uh, she wasn't Crystal. She was she was Joanna Dark. Oh, so there so, you go. Um, really prominent character. That's yeah. OK, but um. I would say the Donkey Kong fandom, like those, those in a know, uh, she, she is beloved inside of it. Like we, we think, we all think very highly of her work. Cause I think her music pairs perfectly with David Wise's and, mm, and she's yeah. responsible for several iconic songs in that original mm. Donkey Kong Country soundtrack that I think really helped set the tone of that game, that very unique tone that only the original Donkey Kong Country has of, of kind of this um, sort of moody, earthy, naturalistic uh, vibe. Like, like David Wise is um, like known for his like new agey songs, but I think uh, Evelyn really leaned into like this, this more ambient sound um, ambient soundscapes and like voices yeah. of the temple is hers, right? I think Simeon so. Segway is too, right? Maybe. And Crystal Caves, maybe? 
<laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't can't, know if it, there's like an, a track list of like individual yeah. songs. No, no, I, they're, they're I not. I remember it, having a trouble tracking down who did what specifically. Before, yeah, but. yeah, but like, like I, I think a lot of that like vibe of the early game actually is at her feet. Uh, and not yeah. um, David. DKC is good, and she did some of them. So right, you know, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, when when we talk about like the famed composers of the DKU, you know, obviously David, Grant, Robin, um, mm-hmm. uh, Graham Norgate, um, but Evelyn's always up there, and for good reason. Oh, for sure. If uh, I ever get a successful Kickstarter off the ground, I'm going to see if I can get her for a couple tracks. Um, let's see. Uh, another excellent shout out would be um, the the wonderful Louise O'Connor, who we've already name dropped a couple times during this episode, um, who was the voice of Barry, who we spoke about, um, and is heading up uh, development on Everwild currently and has had a number of roles over the years at Rare on different projects. Yeah, and she just has she, yeah, continued she, to contribute to awesome stuff over there. She, yeah, so, she, she joined Rare, uh, the, uh, for Conquer. Um, she, right, she, it wasn't she like, uh, on 12 Tales. Uh, back I wh- believe so. Yeah. yeah, and she was the one talking about it on Rare Replay. Yeah, yeah, and and I really feel like she was one of the first to really break up that aforementioned boys club at Rare, giving her longevity and just how far she's come at the studio. She's on par with Joe Neat now, you know, as far as like heading up, you know, a whole game, and and you know, she's very prominent person of importance there and it's really cool to see like rare's evolution over the last two decades and you know how when louise o'connor joined the studio she was one of the only women there and now it's full of women and um mm-hmm. i mean we talked about trailblazers i think she definitely uh has to get a special shout out for sure mm-hmm. uh and then, uh, I know we all wanted to discuss Daily, uh, at Platonic, <laughs> yes. uh, because after her stint at Rare, I, uh, I would say she almost single-handedly gave Platonic a new public persona, a, a new public perception of what the studio was about. I oh, really, sure. I, under her tenure, um, as, you know, community manager, she really got them away from the, uh, the vibes that's, whether intentionally or unintentionally they gave off that we're the real rare here. We're making games you want us to make, you know, like there was that kind of vibe that some people got uh, early on uh, during Mm -hmm. the tenure of the original (laughs) ukulele, like that whole release period. And she completely obliterated that gave them this chaotic, (laughs) silly energy that uh has really served it well and people still associate with the studio even as she's moved behind the scenes on game development. Yeah. I don't think anything's ever going to quite match her period behind the keyboard on the <laughs> account. I'm just thinking of all of the things she's put out into the wild yeah. that I can't say on a family-friendly podcast. Um, well, good thing you're on this podcast. 
<laughs> That's fair. I think she's the one who started the feet thing. Oh yeah, Platonic. Yeah, be- um, because she's the one who gave us the wonderful quip about Kazooie always being canonically pregnant, um, which isn't how eggs work. <laughs> but okay, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because of that, there are pictures of my feet on the internet now. So, <laughs> our picture of one of my feet. Lovely. Yeah, Lovely. so we can compare them with K. Roll's toes when we do that episode. Um, mm. Who wore it best? Anyway, there there are a lot of other women uh, at Rare and Platonic who yes. uh, we can maybe spotlight in a future episode later down the line. Uh, th- those are just three very notable names that I think, you know, in an c- episode that's mostly about the characters of the in-universe Donkey Kong universe, we would be remiss without giving a special shout out. Uh, yeah, sorry, ha- I've been a little quiet for a bit because I was looking for something because I knew that Louise O'Connor recently got to do like in an article, like a news article for like Xbox in general about like all of their uh, Women's Day and Women's Month initiatives. Ooh. And I, oh. I tracked that down. So um, nice. I, I'll send it uh, to you, too. And if you want to maybe like link to that when you post this or something. Sure. Yeah, you might do that. Sure. Yes. So, yes. So what we didn't talk about on this podcast, you can just read about eh, whatever, you know, uh. <laughs> but it's just cool that she got to write um, like something that was not just like about rares things, but it's like an entire Xbox like article for like all of the different things that they're doing. Ooh, yeah. Time. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's uh yeah. Xbox itself. It's amazing how, you know, the brand of Xbox before say 2014, 2015 was still associated so heavily with the frat boy dude, bro kind of uh, vibes. And mm-hmm. it's come so far in just the last uh, seven to eight years during the period we, we define as the renaissance of, of really expanding its horizons and, and being more than just um, that demographic. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, I, I really feel like I, I never felt at home with Xbox uh, as somebody who is not a, a dude bro, really. Um, and now like Xbox is my home platform, you know, more than any other console. So, and it's really cool to see like the the changes um, throughout the entirety of Xbox Studios, which uh, mm-hmm. Louise's article gets into. So, yeah, they're a wonderful place to work. <laughs> that sounds sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm being genuine. I'm oh, oh. right now. Um, oh, okay, okay, okay. It's, yeah, it's, so <laughs> it's a good place to work. Okay, yeah. It just make sure there's no coercion happening there. Like you said that yeah. of your own free will. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Clippy yep. is standing right My behind you. Does not depend on it or anything. <laughs> yeah, Clippy um, does not have a gun to your head. No, he's still. I did not release Clippy when I had the chance. I left him sleeping. Um, <laughs> so we do have some calls to take. I just wanted to clarify because people don't know you can call into the dk vine hotline whenever you want it's it's open 24 hours a day at 1-202-630-VINE v-i-n-e or 8463 on on your phone because the the numbers correspond with the letters anyway it's a phone number it's dk vine's phone number you call us you might hear a weird disembodied voice just roll with it. They'll connect you. You'll you'll get to leave a message. They'll hear a beep. 
you got two to three minutes. I think it's three minutes uh, to, to get what you want to say in. But whenever we announce a topic of an episode, generally call in, say, hey, here are my thoughts. We, we try to play them. You know, sometimes we get a lot of phone calls and we can't play all of them. Usually we don't get that many. And so we'll, we'll play them. Tonight we're playing them all. Uh, we got four calls to take, uh, on this topic. Uh, and let's just, let's just start going through them one after another. We'll, we'll talk about each one after we play them. So here's the first call. Hi, this is Joey. Um, I saw you were doing an episode about the female protagonists in the Donkey Kong Universe game, so I thought I would call in. Um, one thing I wanted to give a shout out to, uh, since it seems relevant to the topic, is, uh, the video by Transparency uh, called, um, let me look it up real quick. What is up with Donkey Kong Country 3, Dixie Kong's gender trouble? And uh, this is an excellent hour-long deep dive into um, a lot of really interesting Donkey Kong Country 3 analysis. And I highly recommend it. I think... Uh, Kyle, you've retweeted it, so I assume you've probably at least uh, seen it. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend any of the viewers uh, who like Donkey Kong Country 3 and want another reason to like it, um, give that video a watch. It has some excellent, excellent quotes. Um, and I'll finish this off with a quote from the video. One could say that all three games revolve around three different apes doing about the same tasks, but approaching the problem from very different circumstances and receiving very different recognition for it. Donkey Kong had better be able to do this stuff. Diddy Kong couldn't ever compare, and Dixie Kong is just not expected to be there at all. The balance is completely out of whack. These expectations run counter with their accomplishments. Donkey Kong saves a pile of bananas, Diddy Kong performs mass genocide, and Dixie Kong ascends to heaven and gains an audience with God. Um, anyways, yeah, highly recommend that video. See ya. Oh, thank you for the call, Joey. And yes, we, we actually already referenced it on this episode, but it was a fantastic yeah. video. Um, it was my, my uh, introduction to that channel, given you, you pointed it my direction and I was like, oh, wow, Ooh. this is great. So, uh, yeah. and then, yeah, we, really, um, they responded, uh, those creators responded to the announcement of this episode. So maybe they'll listen to this. So. Yeah. True. Hi, shout out to you. Right no. Yeah. We, we, uh, we follow each other on Twitter now. So that's how online friendships happen. But yeah, it, they, uh, <laughs> it, it was great. Cause they, they not only touched upon points that we at DK vine have, have long, uh, bandied about, but also, um, made me think of things I hadn't thought about, which is always great mm. to see, which is, it's hard to do, especially when it comes to <laughs> Donkey Kong Country to make me think of things I haven't thought about. I like that never crossed my brain. I was like, wow, I'm thinking of Donkey Kong in whole, all new ways. Uh, cause I think about it every day, every hour, you know, like uh, some people think about sex every what, like 15 seconds. I think about Donkey Kong Country. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely worth your time checking out. Uh, they, they didn't really touch upon the marketing of Donkey Kong Country 3, how it was marketed, uh, especially in, uh, the Americas, uh, which, which I, we, we actually had a fun chat about on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like the fact that Nintendo of America obscured the fact that it was Dixie Kong's game. 
and mm-hmm. they they like famously the commercial was Donkey Kong Country Three starring Kitty Kong, and um, like not even bringing up Dixie. And then the uh, print ad was this big muscle bound gorilla with tattoos and nipple piercings, and and it was just like. <laughs> what uh, what is this like why are uh, you like tr- yeah like they were so the piercings did predict uh trough and scoff in dk64 yes i kind of want to make like an indie game with a gorilla character that looks like the gorilla from that print ad <laughs> and then convince you to count it as a further appearance of kitty Kong. you're you're uh, just as bad as chris alcock is trying to get me to con- like think of things as dku and i'm like that's not how it works yeah and we're both in positions to do something about it oh you think you are you <laughs> you don't realize i am in total control uh of my destiny you say that but i can access the back end of your website right now okay just because i trust you with that all right <laughs> anyway uh no thank, thanks for calling joey yeah definitely check yeah, out that video all right let's take the next call Hey, DK Vaughn, Rick here. I saw the tweet, and uh, I just felt the need to call in and express my love just for a sec. Because, um, yeah, I think the DK Universe Rare made some of the best female characters. Uh, as a child, I owned, our family owned uh, DKC3, and I loved that game. I loved the overworld, and I thought Dixie Kong was super cool. You know, none of that what execs would lead you to believe, oh, boys just want to play as boys or men. You know, Dixie was super cool. I love that they made a third game. They're like, Dixie Collins is going to be the main character, and it's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I think she would have been just great for Smash, but, you know, can't complain. Also, Wrinkly, she's so sweet. How could you not love her? Um, yeah, that's all I got. Can't wait to listen. Please. Hey, thanks, Rick. Yeah, yeah. how do we feel about Dixie not being... To hear that a- again, like, from from two guys, from you and Rick, like, <laughs> obviously it's, it's like, easy for me to say what Dixie Kong meant for me as a kid. <laughs> but, like, it's it's really cool to say, uh, you know, guys say that they enjoyed playing as her when, when they were boys and that it was cool to play as a girl and that they, you know, didn't didn't mind it and that they actually enjoyed it, like... You know, it's it's nice hearing that perspective. And that, it, it's honest, yeah. It was honestly liberating in a, in a way because just having this allowance, like, hey, this is okay. Like, you don't have to worry about fucking, like, gender expectations of, like, you know. And it was just like, oh, this this is cool. This, this feels right. I like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we feel about Dixie not being in Smash? Um, because... You know, we, we've had some time to reflect on it, to process it, and I know we at DK Vine weren't that upset about it because we got, I think, more unthinkable characters in it than than Dixie in K. Rule yeah, and Banjo sure. and Kazooie. Like, if we were going to ask for the next character inside of our 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 sphere of influence, I'd want it to be Dixie, but like. I'm not dissatisfied with the roster. Yeah, same. So. I think if they're going to add another DK character, it should definitely be her. And, like, I, I've heard strong arguments for, like, Cranky or Funky, and, yeah, they'd be cool. But I, I think Dixie, by far, above either of those, just in terms mm-hmm. of 
importance and maybe like the variety that she could bring to things with her mm-hmm. hair moves and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's uh it's just the unfortunate reality that the Donkey Kong series has always been playing catch up with Smash. Like the fact that we didn't yeah. get a second character in Melee for some bizarre reason. And then we got, got Diddy and Brawl, but Diddy was like honestly a game late and then four, whatever the hell happened there. <laughs> um, so like it, it took to ultimate to get in all these characters that we needed to get and they were the dream characters. And so we missed out on Dixie and we missed out on Cranky and you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I can't be too upset about it. It's just, it's just a shame. I am glad. That the uh, purported plan at one point for Diddy and Dixie to be a tag team in Brawl didn't come to fruition because would have done both of them a disservice, in my opinion, for them to be a tandem rather than individual characters. Mm, I'm not sure I agree, but I see where you're coming from. I, I mean, like, I respect that opinion. Yeah, like if if I if. If Dixie gets into Smash, I want it to be as her own character and not, mm. like, an ice climber shtick. Yeah, no, I totally respect that. I mean, when but you at the think same about time, it- like, I like the ice climber shtick, and I wish there were more characters like that, so... Yeah, but, like, when you think about how Smash influences people's perceptions yes. of characters, especially if they haven't played the original games, like... I think it is good because, like, Dixie and Diddy, you know, they are a couple, but by no means are they, like, an inseparable pair. So, like, maybe having them together would give people, like, a weird perception. Uh, that's when, a really when they, good they definitely do a lot of things on their own, like, all the time. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the way Smash is the kingmaker, like, Diddy has a jetpack now permanently because of Smash. Um, uh, yeah. You know, so uh, that's why I'm just so thankful Smash nailed K. Rule in every respect oh, yeah. The, yeah. the yeah like, like oh good like you got into everything and you did it in such an appropriate way bravo because now this will always be a part of k Roll. <laughs> yeah uh but yeah i mean um like i said it could have been worse um i i think if we ever get more characters in in the next Smash, like hopefully the idea that we'll just get Smash Ultimate, but with more stuff down the line um, on the next console, you know, Dixie is going to be near the top of the list for characters that haven't been touched uh, that that should be in Smash. But we'll see yeah. what the future holds. Thank you for the call, Rick. Let's take our next one. Hello, friends. This is Pyrrhic Kong. I just told myself that I'd call in next time, um, and I'm glad to do so. Just wanted to talk about the women of the DKU. And just, you know, I'm sure that you've had a lovely discussion on uh, Dixie Kong already and have had her discussed thoroughly. So let me continue doing that. Um, when DKC came out, I was about two and a half. So when Kitty Kong was in the spotlight, that that was me. I was being seen there. And uh, having Dixie there, you know, Kitty, Kitty's good, but he, like, he doesn't have the brains to figure out squeals on wheels or nothing. Dixie was the responsible one. Dixie was the one that could do it. Dixie was the one that had the abil- had the ability to power through levels. And I don't know. I just found that really cool. Sure, Cranky was always there to reinforce the whole patriarchy, the idea that oh, she'll never stack up, but. Everyone who played sort of just figured out that 
nah, nah, you're wrong, old man. Let's beat you up at the end. And I thought that was really cool. I think that uh, that really helped me just in my developing respect of the other gender as a kid, you know, not falling totally into the whole boys versus girls mentality and all that, just having this strong, confident role model. And I think that reflects a lot of uh, Rare in the DKU's female cast, where female usually is something of a descriptor for them, but it's not their primary one. Like, I can't imagine any other female characters in Nintendo's cast really going up to a WMD and going hitting buttons and going, huh, I wonder if we'll hit something. Like, there are so many vibrant personalities that I really appreciate. And, yeah, there are the things where, like, Candy Kong is, ha, 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 what if sexy girl but monkey? And then Black Orchid and her pinup of uh, very sexfully washing a car. But I think that, overall, personality has always come first with Rare. And I just really appreciate that. I'm glad to see that extend to even some of their older designs, like the reimagining of the Dark Queen in the recent Battletoads. Um, anyway, that's about it, and it was pretty nerve-wracking leaving a message, so I'm going to leave you with that. Thanks, friends. Bye-bye for now. Well, thank you for the call. Always great to hear uh, a new caller, and please don't be nervous. Uh, it's, it's, just, uh, it's just a silly nonsense show. You don't. You don't have to be worried. There's, calling. There's just something inherently nerve-wracking about leaving a message. Like I'm on this show yeah. more than I call in, and I still get nervous calling in. That is true. I don't like leaving messages. I tend to become a rambling mess, a sweaty, <laughs> awkward husk uh, of myself mm. when I have to. I have to leave a message, and it, yeah, it, it's usually something I try to avoid. But so, fair point. Fair point. But thank you for the call. It's appreciated. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, another, uh, another person vouching for how Dixie helped them, uh, view, I, I guess the, uh, this view beyond the stereotypical gender norms of our youth. Yeah. So that's, that's Go really Dixie. cool. Yeah. Pierre Di- said was that like characters, like making an interesting character came first and, so I spent like an hour earlier looking for a tweet because I know there was like at some point I I think it was I think it was Greg Mails but it could have been Steve Mails I don't know but like I you know this was like years ago and I mm-hmm. was just like hey thanks for making some you know cool girl characters that I looked up to when I was a kid and you know they meant a lot to me and uh whoever it was basically responded to me saying like exactly that like Hey, that's really cool to hear. We just, you know, we want to make the most interesting characters and, you know, some of them will be girls, some of them will be boys. Um, and I was looking for that tweet because it would be so relevant to this conversation <laughs> today and I just could not find it, but I know it happened. So I don't know, maybe it was like on Facebook or something. I don't think so. Mm, I, don't I, don't, I don't even have Facebook anymore. It's been years, but yeah, Tw- Twitter it's horrible just, finding old tweets. I know Twitter yeah. has a pretty rubbish search uh, engine. You can't really... It, it, it's like it's like finding a needle in haystack sometimes, especially when you oh, I'm know. Sorry. I don't have I don't have Meta anymore. I guess nobody has Facebook. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still <laughs> Facebook. The company is Meta, but <laughs> all right, yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah but, I wouldn't know. But yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I mean, I think like I'm 
mentioned when we had Chris Sutherland on the show for the first time. And, and that was like actually one of the things I really wanted to ask him, like, hey, it was pretty gutsy, you know, Donkey Kong Country 2, like removing Donkey Kong entirely. And for the time, like having this girl character um, in there, you know, instead, essentially. And like, what was your thought process? And he, he was basically very nonchalant about it. It's just like, oh, we just, you know, want to do something different. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I don't think they were like, That's they were looking to change, refreshing, honestly. They, they weren't looking to change the world. Like they weren't thinking like, oh, this will really help like topple the patriarchy. Yeah. They're just like, you're just do, doing something interesting. And I was like, oh, like, let's make her a girl. She got to have, she got have hair. <laughs> 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 All right, we got we got one more call to take. It's after one a.m. here on the uh, the East Coast, uh, and I feel myself fading into oblivion. Oh, yeah. So let's yeah. take this call, and we will we will give our final thoughts for now when it comes to women of the DKU. Hey, it's Ty, um, longtime forum member, but uh, first time caller. Um, I'm here to talk about my favorite DKU uh, female character and what she means to me. So, uh, pardon me if I get a little rambly, but, uh, here we go. So, uh, growing up in the 90s, there weren't too many female characters to play as in games, at least for me. Um, the first one I remember was Princess Peach Toadstool in Super Mario Bros. 2, and she was fine. She could hover and maybe pull out a useful item out of the ground if you were lucky. But Peach didn't really appeal to me that much. Um, my sister says we had Metroid, but I never played it and didn't learn about Samus until I was older. I didn't get to play DKC 2 and 3 until I was in college, but I probably would have loved Dixie as a kid. Anyways, um, the 90s were all about, like, girl power and how girls could be rad just like the boys. Girls could be active and get messy, and being a tomboy was, like, the ultimate way to be cool. And, like, if you liked pink or dresses or dolls, especially Barbie dolls, then you weren't cool and you were just a girly girl. So instead, I just said I wasn't into any of that stuff while secretly having a Barbie soap opera going off my best friend. You couldn't let anyone know back then. You had to keep up appearances. So um, being five years old and wanting to be cool, I latched onto shows like Sailor Moon, where the girls would fight and be awesome and have powers and could transform. And when did you know it? At Diddy Kong Racing comes along in 1997, and it not only includes a playable female character, but she's also wearing a Sailor Scout outfit. So in a fantastic leap of five-year-old logic, I decided that Pipsy was a Sailor Scout and that she was awesome forever and she left all the other racers in her wake. It also helped that she was one of the few racers in the game that didn't control like ass. It's true. So now, 25 years later, Pipsy is still one of my favorite characters. I know there's not a whole lot to her, but she was one of the first female characters I could play as and project my girl power badass fantasies onto as a kid, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for taking my call. Bye. Hey, Twy, thank you for the episode idea. Yeah. 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 And, uh, thank you for vouching for Pipsy. I said Pipsy is still beloved <laughs> to this day. People still hold up Pipsy as one of their favorite characters. Lo and behold, the call sack validates <laughs> me. Uh, I'm not full yeah, of shit. I love. I love the Sailor Moon connection, and I love yeah, how really well that story. dovetails with the the whole Astro Mouse origin. That's great. I yeah. love it. That's canon now. And also, so. the call brought up like an an interesting point that like I I hadn't really thought of was that 
the right, like the nineties, I remember like, like, oh, you know, to be like a tough female, you have to be like a tomboy or basically eschew any degree of femininity. And I was still playing with Barbies. I look, I, I always was jealous of the easy bake ovens. Like I wanted an oh, easy bake oven. Those too, they were great. I like. I was like, "What you telling me that this thing where you can cook brownies is a girl's toy? Like, uh, what boy wouldn't want that? That's bullshit." Fine. I had one, but my brownies didn't turn out very good. They were kind of, <laughs> they were kind of hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and yeah, like I, I, I never really had the desire to play with Barbies, but I admired the accessories. Like, like. Ooh, you yeah, could yeah. You, you could really build like a a whole like universe out of that. I like, had one that came with a tiara, and she had fairy wings that detached and were like a bubble blower. It was great. Yeah, you never really had like you never really had I that. Also, accessory. had Ninja Turtles and stuff, but they didn't come with the. You didn't have bubble blowers and tiaras with the Ninja Turtles. No, you you did have some <laughs> sweet ass accessories though with the Ninja Turtles. Like you could build like you could have their sewer, you could have the Technodrome, and then the little digger modules coming out of the Technodrome. And uh, yeah, but bubbles. <laughs> yeah, but you could have the pizza launcher, which I'm not just going to argue Ninja Turtles. Yeah, but I lost all Barbie. those immediately. No, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, no, Pipsy's great. Yeah, Pip Pipsy's fantastic. Yeah. Uh yeah, and uh I really hope somebody at Rare is paying attention to this so they know that hey, you're sitting on this gold mine of an IP, Pipsy the Mouse. Yep. Do something with it. Um So wrapping things up, I, I, I wanted to have the two of you help me because you know my knowledge of gaming of of gaming outside of the dku is very limited um i i i am a master of this area and really nothing else so <laughs> we, we talked a lot about a lot of the amazing female protagonist and antagonist of the dku but i was wondering how does that representation and portrayal of women stack up how does it compare to other gaming franchises or franchise collectives shared universes however you want to parse it out mm. because i don't know i wouldn't know i i only know through like ancillary like second hand third hand like opinions and and from what i see and i know like how it was in the 90s when oh yeah you had like laura croft who was sold on her sex appeal and and you know yeah. but and, and you had Peach, who was getting kidnapped all the time. Well, Lara Croft has sold less on her sex appeal, but they've swung the pendulum to the other direction in that, like, her last couple of games have been described as torture porn. Um, oh. Yeah, uh, you can die in some pretty gruesome ways in those. Uh, Princess Peach is still getting kidnapped to the point where when they wanted to have Peach be playable, but still be kidnapped, they introduced the Super Crown to the series and let loose Pandora's box. Oh gosh. Um, I Can you explain are, that to me? Because I still don't really so, understand that. So in new super Mario bros for the Nintendo switch, which is a port of one of the older games. I'm so, I'm, I'm confused. Our given slow down. What? <laughs> there was a port of, uh, the Wii U new super Mario bros Kay. titles. Kay. Um, which was New Super Mario Bros. U and New Super Luigi U. I vaguely recall um, this, yes. 
they got a port to the Switch as one uh, boxed unit. Okay. And it had some new features in it, including playable Toadette with her own unique power-up, the Super Crown, that turns her into Peach. Why wouldn't they just put Peach in the, the game? Peach because hybrid. Peach got kidnapped as part of the plot line. Okay, but Amber got turned into a ghoulie, and you could still play as her in Challenge Twenty. I don't, I don't see the problem. Yep. Well, the way they decided to go about this was the Super Crown. Uh, because because I have um, Peachette. Is that the name of it? Is that the name of the I transformation? Don't... I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Actually, why, yeah. that's how the whole uh, thing that we won't talk about right now got started. But yep, I um, I, I have Peachette unlocked in Mario Kart Tour, and I I'm like, what, what, what? Wait, Peachette's a separate. Okay, never. No, we're not going to talk about this. But okay. anyway, yeah. Um, so Peach is still getting kidnapped. Lara Croft is still doing her thing. Uh, other franchises have have gotten better in recent years. You have stuff like River City Girls. Over in the uh, the River City franchise, where the uh, the uh, the girlfriends are now taking center stage and are kind of more popular than the leading guy cast at the moment, you have things like uh, Metroid still going strong. Metroid Dread was probably Samus's most badass and empowering outing, and and many moments in it seemed directly. Uh, in answer to them acknowledging that they'd made a misstep in like other M um, and you have other franchises uh, empowering the female character. Like I mentioned crash four before where they kind of uh, retrofitted Tanya and gave her a new sort of punk uh, persona and made her playable um, or uh, the new Ratchet and Clank that has a new female co-lead. Was that Ratchet and Clank? Yes, that was Ratchet yeah. and Clank. And just just a lot of series doing a lot better about having um, empowered uh, women characters with agency who aren't just set dressing or damsels in distress. So I'd say overall, we're in a better place. Uh, it still needs a lot of work, but we're in a better place so yeah yeah and I, especially with like the rise of like indie games and stuff and oh, the yeah, greater sure. accessibility of like game making tools people can tell their own unique stories and that leads to like a, a much greater diversity and playable characters and the yeah. types of stories that are being told you end up with with breakout hits like celeste and stuff so I, th- I think it also helps too that we're. I, I I know there are still these toxic gatekeepers, or they perceive themselves to be gatekeepers. But I think the overall idea that gaming is this thing for boys is is well and truly left in the past, where people know no oh no like all people play games. Um, it it's not just yep. this like. Like it was in the 80s and 90s, where this is a toy we'll market towards boys. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. we're, we're, we're well beyond that, even though there are some people, uh, out there who, who, I, I don't even know. I don't even yeah, know what their problem well, is, but you know, yeah. They're dumb. Yeah. They're- yeah. They're dumb. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, I, I am proud in, in this regard to be a, a Donkey Kong fan and to say like, mm. hey, you know, we, uh, you know, outside of, you know, 
that that time Candy tried to seduce K. Roll so Funky could put a boot up his ass and and some other you know weird missteps we have you know been kind of ahead of the curve with this series um i say so much because like i don't i think it's like out of character for k rule too i don't think he would stop trying to destroy the kongs just to get like (laughs) horny for a gorilla that just that's just bad in like every single way imaginable yeah it's a goofy (laughs) end yeah yeah thank good anyway sorry yeah no i i mean (laughs) you're right that that is like we we talk about what it says about candy's character what does it say about k rule's character that this uh, i don't even know i thank god that wasn't his final smash right like like out of you know we talk about smash preserving aspects of characters and and prioritizing them in later appearances you know, at least they took the right thing from Donkey Kong 64 and didn't just have him get horny for gorillas in his final smash. And then, you know, <laughs> would have ruined him going oh, forward. Oh, God, that could have been a nightmare. <sighs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say that, that uh, Rare was ahead of the curve in, in certain ways, uh, especially mm-hmm. with playable uh, female characters. I will say that, you know, as much as I love Rare and uh, we've been talking them up a lot, that uh, that I, I always noticed a problem when I was younger that they had, like, some really good, like, female main characters. But when it comes to, like, NPCs, it's pretty much, like, 90% that it was just going to be, like, you know, just a dude. Like, any any given NPC you encounter was just going to be, like, a guy. Um, yeah. A guy goes for like the the enemies, the you know characters yeah. you have to help, whatever. It's it's very like very lopsided gender wise uh, when it comes to the less important characters. A, a guy, it's, or- it's like when there was a character they didn't have to think about, they would just make it a male by mm. default. Yeah, or or a guy's wife, like uh, Mrs. Bottles, yeah. Mrs. Boggy. Yeah, and there were a lot of <laughs> right, unnamed, right. unnamed. I mean, not unnamed, but unseen wives as well. Like that was such a common joke. You got uh, you got Klungo's wife. You got k rule's wife who may or may not exist you have uh the lady of games i feel like there's even more too true which is another reason that sea of thieves is great because all of the background characters are just uniformly a variety so mm-hmm. yeah including tt and captain black eye <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah uh yeah, um, yeah. At the end of the day, um, I don't know. I shouldn't have the final word here. What, what, what do you, what do you both want to say? <laughs> oh, but, God. like they obviously, there's lots you can criticize about. You know, pretty much any game that was made in the early '90s or the the '90s in general or the early 2000s will have things we can look back on and say, like, eh, it might have been a little iffy, but like. I, I think that they, they were definitely like even back then they were they were trying in a lot of positive ways and they were conscious about like wanting yeah. to make some positive role models for girls and you know so so like it, it's not you know right to to praise them uncritically but like I, I think that what matters is what people got out of it at the time I guess and and like I think we can attest mm-hmm. to you know, people of any gender being able to enjoy Dixie Kong and how much that means, and the same with Kazooie, and I think that's really important.
This has been a File 2 production. Terrico.